Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, boys and girls, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas, and I am coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, on today's edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast. Sports Sporters, they have indeed assembled after a holiday break, so Robert Silverman of the Daily Beast and Andrew Hammond of the Detroit Free Press, both on the pod today to talk the biggest stories in sports, whether it's Aaron Rodgers, uh, the New York Times buying The Athletic, all that and more with the sports reporters, plus, yeah, Land of Sports, guys, we're back. Uh, we got Max Markovich and Garrett Chapman. Follow them at GChapATL and Max underscore Markovich on Twitter.com. Uh, go do that. Land of Sports, guys. Hawks, who's getting traded for the deadline? Uh, Falcons, what happened in Buffalo? Uh, offseason priorities, uh, how do we approach the draft? All that and more with the Atlanta Sports, guys. And then Ryan Shumpert of Go Big Orange Friday is here uh, of Rocky Top Insider as well. Um, so very excited to talk all things balls. Tyler Baring uh, staying at UT. Uh, what happened in the Ole Miss game on Wednesday and uh, what we can expect from the balls against LSU on the basketball front. And we're a little over a month away from Tennessee baseball. So that's also right around the corner. Um, I would like to say before we get started with today's show as well that uh, here's a couple of ways that you can uh, support this very program. It starts with leaving a quick five-star rating in a review on Apple or Spotify, depending on uh, whatever your preferred app of choice for listening to this very podcast is. Uh, make sure to go visit chasethomaspodcast.com for access to all of my previous episodes and make sure to subscribe to the Sports Renaissance Man, the, the newsletter that I do. So go to sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com, type in your email, go do that today. Uh, as always, you can email the program at chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com. Follow myself on Twitter at Chase double underscore Thomas. Uh, the, the the show page on Twitter is C Thomas Pod. Uh, also, like the Facebook page, facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. All right, Uncle Darren, let's ride. Chase Thomas Podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, you heard it, the sports reporters. We're back. New year, same sports reporters. And that is just fine with me. Andrew Hammond up there of the Detroit Free Press is here. Andrew, good evening, sir. How are you? I am fantastic. How are you doing, sir? Not too bad. Not too bad. Got a little snow. Got a little ice uh, this week in Knoxville. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> and you're freaking out about that? Okay. Yeah, we've had snow since Monday that's just stuck to the ground because it's so damn cold. So, you know, I don't want to hear it. Hey, I, we're not prepared for it down here. <laughs> you're prepared for it no, up there. Y'all, Southern, Southerners and snow is still, it, it might be the funniest battle in the world because it happens every year and you guys find a way to make it even funnier did i catch a y'all there yes okay i'm from kansas y'all that was a y'all i heard a y'all i I like that someone you won't hear say y'all robert silverman up there in new york city of the daily beast bob good evening sir how are you good evening chase thomas (laughs) you haven't said that in a couple weeks no I don't think I've ever said that. No, it's I mean, sort of a, it was a low key "Good Morning Vietnam" kind of thing, but I, you know, very topical. I don't, know, I don't, I don't know what uh, status of weekending the Chase Thomas podcast listeners are in, so they may not be up for me shouting at them. So, because you know. it will be up in we'll the keep early it, morning. We'll so keep yeah, it, we'll keep it on the NPR uh, <laughs> uh, volume for now. I'm kind of an NPR host, right? N- no, no, I don't have an NPR type voice style, not at all. Hi. 
You're listening to the Chase Thomas podcast <laughs> with your host, Chase Thomas. No, you're not that. But you're see, not, not all things Chase Thomas considered. That's not the name of this show. That's not a bad one. A good spinoff, right? That would be a good show. I think that would be a good yeah. show. Um, well, how was your weekend? Or not even how was your weekend? How was your holiday season, guys? How was, uh, how was the time with family and friends? Uh, Bob, what did you get Max? <laughs> did you get Max anything for Christmas? He's a dog. I'm not buying a dog. <laughs> you buy him, uh, what was it? What was it, Andrew? Did he buy him, what, $400 grooming trips, but no, oh, yeah. no gifts? Not $400. <laughs> it is and we're back to normal Bob. It's a hundred. Yeah, they've been, people have been properly primed. It's 190 with tax and tip. I'm not spending $400 on dog grooming. Just to be clear, Andrew. This man this just one, threw out 190 is like I it's perfectly fine. It, I'm only dropping it's not fine. I'm very angry about it. I hate it. <laughs> oh man. I missed you guys. Fight arbitrarily. Uh, you're a, you're a trooper uh, we did, man. Uh, we, we were eyeballing um because there's some snow in New York City now mm-hmm. and uh you know uh, Max likes to sort of when the ground gets too cold, daintily paw his way down the block, and we right. thought, well, we need to get him some kind of footwear. <laughs> it's like forty dollars for dog slippers. Oh, you got him doggy boots? No, no, no! Oh, I'm not whoa. getting doggy boots because it's forty freaking dollars. That's I'm, more I'm than sorry I spend about that. Sneakers, God, dog it. <laughs> But I, we haven't done that. We have a lot of bandanas. I have the the Tennessee jersey for Khaleesi, but we don't really do. Um, we don't do the doggy slipper. She's all about this. How, how did snow, the uh, Tennessee Volunteers do in the big bowling game? Okay, Jeez. so Andrew, um, Bob was Wait, breaking up we... there, and I. Oh, it, you, did... you couldn't hear what I said about no. Tennessee. Did? Tennessee in the big game. I'm I'm I am just gonna sit here and look at stuff in the uh, PlayStation Store. I'm, yeah, uh, Chase, answer the question. I don't want to. I'd rather direct it to Owen One Marcus Freeman at uh, Notre oh, Dame. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, kiss my ass. <laughs> I'm still upset about that game. By the way, just 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 so you know, um, make a make a damn adjustment. Seriously. That's all they had to do. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma State could not, like, Oklahoma State's defense acted like they hadn't seen a play action before. Then they figured it out. And what do you do? You got Jack Cohn, who I swear to God, it, it, like, you could time his 40 by a sundial. Um, yeah, no, it. <sighs> All right. Breathe, Hi. Andrew. Breathe. It's okay. It happened. Hi. At least you Did didn't you know, get a situation it, where you at least you didn't get a situation where you had a clear touchdown, uh, not called a touchdown because they stopped forward progress while a Tennessee volunteer was lying on top of another player with the ball stretched yeah. over the goal line. Yeah. That that happened. That's how we lost, Bob. It, that that's it, what it, you're referring to. Well, Chase, I was gonna say mm-hmm. the the thing that like uh, 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 especially about like the Notre, like the Tennessee and Notre Dame frustration is kind of similar because it's like you do everything you can to win the game and you do all of these things, but you still have this weird kind of like cloud over your head of big game moments and all of that. And it's like with Tennessee, Tennessee clearly got screwed. And you know, that stat after Notre Dame, 
after Notre Dame lost to Oklahoma State in the Fiesta Bowl is, okay, Notre Dame is like 0-10 in major bowl games since 94. And it's like, okay, yeah, they're 0-10, but it's like, look who they had to play in those games. I'm pretty sure they were the underdog in like eight or nine of them. And in this one, it's kind of like the one time you guys really could have just put all that to bed you decide to screw it up, and now you perp- you you continue to perpetuate this crappy ass narrative. Mm. Bob, uh, yeah, develop d- d- develop the love of a college team so during bowl season <laughs> we can make fun of you. Yeah, that'd be nice. What all of my teams dick. are? My teams are laughable and and pathetic year round. Oh, speaking I'm of, sorry. this is how we lead into our first topic tonight, guys. Yes. No, Julius Randall. Oh, oh, no, let's not talk about that. We have to talk about it. He did the thumbs okay. down to New York City fans for booing him. Right. This Julius, was a clear Julius cut. Julius Randall like, is mm-hmm. a, can I say, can I say the P word? No. On, the, on air? No. No. He's a wussy. Uh, Julius Randall is a delicate flower, um, is what we've learned. The real, <laughs> Okay. After Julius Julius Randall in his first year with the Knicks, which nobody aside from sickos like me paid attention to, was really bad mm-hmm. um, and seemingly entirely miscast as the number one option on anything resembling a playoff team. So he came back during the bizarro twenty twenty one you know COVID no fan season um, and and played his butt off, and he also wrote. Uh, a blog at the Players Tribune, which was called, I believe it's called Reputation. And the whole thing is about how he was very, very upset at people thinking he didn't deserve the contract the Knicks gave him. You know, all the basically, you know, he got a set of rabbit ears and he seemed to be very, it seemed to be, at least by this blog, was about how he busted his hump to improve his jump shot and get in the best shape of his career, et cetera, et cetera, because he, you know, he was not going to let his career be defined by this subpar year with the Knicks and the, you know, eh, what exactly is he years he had with the Lakers and in New Orleans. So, you know, that established a baseline. Julius Randle cares about his reputation. The blog was called Reputation. And so he, you know, he got a healthy, I think it was 118 million over a four-year contract, which was honestly pretty fair considering the year he had. And he has been just—he's been very bad this year. If it was just a question of his jumper not falling, I don't think anyone would have a problem with it. But he has—he—he he, he literally loafs up the court. He doesn't box out. He doesn't make repu- like rotations on defense. If he doesn't feel like he got a call, he will out in the corner and sort of glare at or jaw with the ref. He it like every indication of sort of his body language on court has been I got paid and so I don't have to give a hoot anymore. Mm-hmm. And anyone watching the Knicks would respond to that with, you know, boo, stop that. <laughs> don't do that. You you are bad. Um so you know, he's been up and down in the midst of this very sort of subpar Julius Randall year. It's actually he's playing worse than he did during his bad first year with the Knicks, according to the numbers. And so he makes this statement 
now about how he doesn't actually care and he doesn't pay attention to what is being said on, say, social media or in the tabloids or by the fans in the arena, et cetera, et cetera. He doesn't care. He tunes it all out. That's not his concern. Mm -hmm. Which seems to contradict what he wrote in his blog, but okay. And then yesterday we get the oh, you're booing me because we're down 25. And by the way, the, the fans started booing not just because they were down 25. They started booing him because the team was down 25 and had a five-on-four extended possession because Marcus Smart got elbowed in the face and didn't make his way up court. And on this five-on-four extended possession, they couldn't even get a shot off and committed a 24-second violation. So the that fans booed. Very Knicks. It was very, it was really bad and really funny. And so, you know, they came back and they won and they hit a, thanks to. A, yeah, yeah, we, we, we didn't have to talk about that. Well, we don't talk about that. Okay. But in any case, and that's, and during this comeback, Randall made it clear that he did hear the boos from the, we couldn't score with the five on four advantage thing. And was, they were cheering him and he's like, nope, you booed me before. I'm not letting that go, and I do care about it. So he keeps it, – it, it's basically his, his last year or so has been the equivalent of someone who is repeatedly insisting that he's not mad and then <laughs> starting flame wars with Knicks fans. It's uh, – I, I think strategically it's bad – for him, because it's the kind of thing that, like, you know, the tabloids are going to run with. They'll be in, like, you know, it's just going to be, it's just dumb. It's, it, as long as, if he wants to play mad at the, at the fans, that's really honestly fine. I don't, like, I, I, I would like to think that Julius could just say, uh, I don't like being booted, pissed me off. And I think anyone would be fine with that, whether he deserved to be booed or the team did. Um, whatever. Um, don't re-sign in New York if you don't want to be booed. Knicks fans have a, a kind of a, you know, New York fans have a bit of a reputation of being uncouth. So that was a choice he made. Um, in any case, yeah, that's it. It's, 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 it's the nothing burger. No one will care about it in a couple of weeks. This is not like heavy buyers in the Mets. No one's going to talk about like seeing a squirrel in the clubhouse or anything like that in the next week or so. <laughs> It is just funny. I, I don't know. It's like you said, I think you uh, laid that out uh, perfectly. And this is like one of those. It's just there's not a lot here. It's just this was done. No, it's, it just is. It's, yeah. it's just like it's like Julius. It's OK that it like you wrote this. The, the Players Tribune blog was pretty heartfelt. He basically said, you know, I feel like I could be a better player than I've been. It bothered me that my reputation was what it was. It bothered me what the perception was. And so I said, okay, I'm going to do everything I can to change that. And that was, and everyone loved that. I mean, it was kind of, you know, it was, it was very honest. He talked about how he didn't want his son, like, thinking he was uh, not as good as he could have been. And it was important to set an example about, you know, maximizing every bit of talent you've got. It was, you know. It's a Players' Tribune blog. It's so whatever. But it was a reasonably heartfelt one. And uh, so for him to suddenly be like, so for him to just like tell the press, I don't care what anyone thinks. I was just like, yeah, you do. And it's not a bad thing that you care what people think. And then suddenly <laughs> it was just a series of very, it was all very funny. Um, I It was like, 
it's fine. It's entirely fine. The Knicks won. I'm 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 not mad at Julius. I'm not even mad at him for like being getting defensive about it. That's fine too. It's really fine. Well, we're gonna take a quick break for a message from our sponsors, but we'll be right back. All right, we are back on the Chase Thomas podcast where Bob has gone through the show notes and Andrew <laughs> already already done his homework. He he knows where the are show we notes are. I, I don't know what's coming up. Are we going to talk, speaking of like mm-hmm. uh, player uh, tantrums, are we going to talk about Antonio Brown? I mean, I honestly didn't look at the show notes, so I, I can't tell you. I don't want to talk about Antonio Brown. I think this needs to stop. That My perspective on I Antonio thought, Brown. I, my my Mm-hmm. I, I I don't care what uh, I mean. Look, my, my I'll, I'll give you my one second, my five second take on Antonio Brown, which is like the guy's accused a lot of heinous crimes. Anyone who got mad at him that he pulled a Ned Braden from Slapshot is really, really, <laughs> really needs to take a look in the mirror. That's if, my only thing. And I thought that Ned was hilarious. Braden, if the Ned if the Ned Braden line is is where you're offended, yeah. get some help. Yeah, it wasn't offensive. It was just insane. Too, by the yeah. way, it's like, oh, oh no, he said something mean to the coach, so now he's now he's he's no longer a buck. Okay, good one, guys. I'm sorry. Him stripping naked and like dancing around the end zone—that is one of the funnier things that Antonio Brown has done in his professional career. It I'm were- entirely fine being that being the exclamation point. It brightened too. my Sunday because the the Falcons lost in excruciating fashion in Buffalo, where Matt Ryan got his first taunting penalty at the goal line, and uh, that was hilarious. No, it wasn't goal. Andrew. No, it wasn't. That wasn't funny. Didn't enjoy that. That was not the least bit funny. I was. Did, did the Chase Thomas podcast listeners know who Ned Braden is? Have they seen no. Slapshot? No. Hell okay. no. I don't know. By the way, Slapshot. Mm. Uh, I would. I would argue Slapshot is a top five, maybe top three sports movie of all time. It is. Because it's maybe the most accurate portrayal of a specific sport and a locker room that has ever been seen on film. The top top three sports movies are in some order. Sorry, top four. Slapshot, the original Bad News Bears. Raging Bull and Goon. Goon's in there, but hold on. You don't have Remember the Titans in the top four? And no, 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 no. Remember no, the Titans no. is in the because top four. When, you, when no. you learn about how Herm, how Herman Boone really was, yeah. it kills it kills. We've we've entire... discussed this before. Herman Boone now or at least recently, I don't know if he's still doing it, but before COVID, Herman Boone would go out on the lecture circuit. And would repeat and as a motivational speaker, use examples from the movie Remember the Titans, which never actually happened. I think Herman <laughs> Boone now believes that that movie was the real story, and it's not. It's canon. Well, you know, at, at, at some point, um, you know, what's that line from High Noon or no, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance? Um, Print the fiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, when. when when you have the legend, you print the legend. Yeah, print the legend. That's it. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, you're good. No, it, no, that movie yeah. killed it for me. Like, yeah, but I mean, like he's, but that's like okay. Print the. They did. They printed the legend. That was the movie. Remember the Titans. And he just don't, kept going. Don't dine out on the lecture circuit on the legend. That's not the same thing. No, no. Herman Boone was 
the actual I forget who wrote a long form about this. That's where I'm getting the parts about him going him repeating parts of the movie as if they were real from. But someone wrote a good long form piece about him and dug up all the details about how he used it, it was not like he was a sadist and a bad Yeah. Cook. He was like well, and so I don't know if you knew this, Bob, but uh, so the original plan for the movie, they were going to do it on Willie Jeffries, who was the first ever black uh, coach in college football in, in at, at the FBS level at Wichita State, because my dad actually played for him. And so they were going to Disneyfy the movie. And then when it like when they when they actually learned the real story and he said, no. No, you 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 aren't going to Disneyfy this movie yet because basically they struggled after after I want to say eighty eighty one, and then a bunch of people in the administration were trying to get rid of them, and they were successful in it because they tried. They basically came up with this: oh, he did some illegal recruiting stuff when literally it was like everybody going after this kid got a minor punishment. But Wichita State wasn't, you know, common. You know, they weren't like the outlier and they fired him and they were like, Disney was like, oh, yeah, well, you know, we'll do this movie. And he's like, no, no. If you're going to tell the story, you got to tell the whole story. So good job on uh, old Herman Boone um, swindling an entire generation. Yeah, the Herman Boone hagiography lives now forevermore. I'm cutting Uh, all of this. I don't want any of this in my mind. I want to keep it pure. I I don't want any of this. I I want to wipe this. What about, hold on, League of Their Own? Are you not putting League of Their Own in there? By the way, just to clarify, I was in a movie with Bertier. Mm, Okay. Yes, we we had one scene together. I, I played an accountant. It was a real. He became real more than stretch. Bertier, man. He was in Sons oh, of Anarchy. Wait, wait, the actual Gary Bertier or Ryan Hurst? Ryan Hurst. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Hell of an actor, by the way. Um, uh, what's the what's that show? Um, Sons of Anarchy. Yes. Mm-hmm. I was in I was in a movie with uh, uh the with the the stars in the movie were Ryan. It was a low low budget film, mm-hmm. uh, but it starred Ryan Hurst and uh, I forget which London brother. One of them, the one who was Jeremy, uh, yeah, Jason. the one, oh, no, the one that's one not of crazy them. now, the the one who wasn't Randall Pink Floyd, the other one. Oh, uh, Jeremy. Mm. Yeah, has Jeremy lost it? Is he a, a no? A Jason's, the, Jason's the one who lost it. Like he, I, I want to say it was twenty twenty, where is he? Either twenty twenty or twenty twenty one, but he was like found. Uh, his car was like in a ditch, mm. but it wasn't like in a wreck or anything. It was just like it was just conveniently sitting in a ditch, and he was like pissing his pants. Um, so you know, yeah. Mm. Well, I think we got to end On it with "Here note. Comes the Boom." <laughs> Here Come the Boom. I think uh, I think it makes the cut. Underrated movie, by the way. I will give you that. Yeah, Bob loves it. I, he's gonna look this up because I, I guarantee Bob has no idea what "Here Comes the Boom" is. And he's gonna be like, "Yes, I need to see this." Mm-hmm. Is it a? Is it about things that go boom? What mm-hmm. is it about? I had never heard of it. Just look at the starring actor, Bob. Um, Andrew, <laughs> the New York Times purchased the Athletic. See, I've got, I've got to be very careful with my words here because I have friends at the Athletic. So I, I, I think sure, we all do. I'm sure you guys do, but um, I'm not gonna lie. Wow, that I is one a... swole Kev- like Kevin James. <laughs> not that 
um, yeah, I, I, I will say I had a slight chuckle um, because I remember when the athletic was born. And they there was this very Wait, did they CGI the muscles on the games. <laughs> what the hell's going on here? I love I love the fact that Bob has discovered this and Chase Chase just left like the breadcrumbs like it's like freaking Hansel and Gretel. And now Bob is like, I what? What is going on here? Um you I mean, love to I see it. Said, oh, both Sean of you guys have I have sent both of you guys some explicit photos of Kevin James in my. <laughs> unfortunately, them, unfortunately, yes, and I absolutely hate it. Um, none of them are, are as ro- are as erotic as these photos. <laughs> okay, of, okay. Of an oiled Kevin James. Okay, game, I, Okay, Chase, we're going to talk about the athletic now. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll say this: uh, the fact that they're basically their goal, the the. The owner of the athletic, his goal was to basically gut newspapers. Now he's sold to a newspaper. All I got to say is, ha. I just, I hope it works out, man. My whole thing in all of this with everything in media is just like, I hope more people have jobs. I hope people don't lose their jobs. I hope people are okay. Like, I hope it's okay. Because most of the, every, everything with this kind of stuff is always grim and depressing and i'm just like i don't know what to make of this i hope it's good i hope this is okay i have a lot of friends there i would like them to keep doing good stuff because i read the athletic every day and i like the athletic there's a lot of good writers there i just want it to all work out because i read guess what you're not gonna believe this folks i read the new york times every day so i would like to nerd i know I, I do I do the same. Don't worry. Yeah. I struggle with other local papers because, like, the Gannett stuff is just all. It's so difficult to navigate Peter. the e-paper. Um, it's difficult. But NY Times, AJC's cleaned up their stuff a lot. But um, I don't know. I, I I I'm still waiting for the time when most newspapers are just really easy to navigate uh, on my laptop because that would be great. Oh, the the there are some of them where it's just like what ads. <laughs> The ads, and you get this tiny little, like, column of text yeah. buried beneath or, so much. Or it's like a MySpace page from 2005. Yes. And it's that difficult to yes. navigate. It, just, it drives just, me nuts. Because or, I want it to be good and easy. Who who put limits on articles when they don't need to, sportsillustrated.com. Um, wow. I was going to ask Chase about the the trade that got proposed on SportsIllustrated.com earlier today, the Atlanta Hawks trade. The Ben Simmons one? Thought of it. Yeah. What? No, 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 no. This was by uh, Michael Pena. Is a fine uh, Ben on the pod. Blogger, great NBA writer. Friend of the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, who su- who suggested? Uh, I think it's the basic contours of the deal are Herder, Darren, uh, Darren Hunter. DeAndre, DeAndre Hunter. Hunter. DeAndre Hunter. Mm-hmm. DeAndre Hunter and two unprotected firsts for Jalen Brown. I mean, I would do that oh, in a no, heartbeat. No, no, yeah, no. I'd do that in a heartbeat, but I don't think Boston's doing that. We talked about that. It's like Jalen Brown solves a lot of the Hawks' defensive stuff. Like, the Hawks is a whole different thing. We yeah. Talk about... Do you want Marcus Smart? <sighs> yes. Take Marcus Smart. Marcus because... Smart doesn't solve our problems, though. Like I just... Yeah, well, he solves my problem. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> Jalen Brown flips Atlanta from at the gutter to literally an NBA Finals contender. Like that is enough. Where Trey and Jalen—that's two top fifteen players in the Sorry, NBA. Sorry, it's Jalen Brown for mm. the full trade. Not to—I don't want to 
lowball his offer. It's Jalen Brown for Hunter, Herder, mm-hmm. Jalen Johnson, and two unprotected. Yeah, I, I, the Hawks do that in two seconds. Like that is still Jalen Brown's that good. Yeah, go ahead and do that. I, look, having watched an entire Celtics Knicks game last night, congratulations to me. Um, yeah, this team can't win. Like they still haven't figured out a way to figure out to make Tatum and Brown. I Bob, I play know. Off each other. <laughs> They're, so, they're a lottery can, team, can man. I just, can I, can I just We're long goal? past the time when they could have traded Jalen in a package for Paul George or Kawhi Leonard or any oh, of the people. Oh, no, 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 no. It's not that we were long past it. It's that Danny Ainge didn't do it. And now I prefer to remain in the passive tense. We're long past it. Shut up, Bob. <laughs> okay. I know. I'm going back to my word, rude Bob. photos of Kevin James now. <laughs> oh, my God. I love you, Bob. But no, I just I just want to say this really quick because I feel like we haven't talked about it enough. But I swear okay. to God, everything that's happening with the Boston Celtics right now is it's truly – shut up, Bob – is okay. truly at the hands and the blood is on the hands of Danny Ainge and Brad Stevens who thought that they could just keep their assets and just say, hey – we don't need your stars. We've got guys who can win. And you know what happened? They didn't. And now... Is Semi Ojale a functional role player yet? No. Yeah. He's in the box now. Bob, I swear to God, I will come to New York. Gershon Yabuselli in his thick jacked frame. I think Mario uh, Romeo Langford's got some upside as a six man though. I think that's coming. Aaron Nesmith point. was the best shooter in that draft. No one did. Peyton Pritchard might be a little bit of Fred Van Fleet. Have you seen some Van Fleet I in him? Can't stand this place. <laughs> Everything is making me sad. I'm sorry if you can get look De- DeAndre Hunter. Absolutely, looks like could be eighty percent of the player that Jalen Brown is. Right <gasps> no, 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 I don't think so. Jalen Brown I, in a year I, or so anyway. Unless you I want Marcus Smart off my team. He's he's got grit. Here's the here 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 is where things went south. Sure, when they were in the bubble and they lost because they let's let's keep it a buck. At the beginning of that Boston-Miami series, Boston should have won this thing in maybe five or six games because they were just better. They were playing better. And then when it came down to nut-cutting time, everybody's looking at each other like, well, who's going to make a play? Marcus Smart is mad at the young guys for taking all the shots. I'm like, wait a minute. Marcus Smart, the same guy who will literally shoot you out of a game. Trust me, we've seen it. He's clutch. Marcus Smart. (sighs) Bob, I uh, all I know is Emi Adoka has already shifted into y'all are soft mode. Well, he had to and, get y'all into the well, show. And, and here's and here's the, it's and a very pro y'all podcast. Yeah. They basically made him. They ba- they basically made Mister Knee along the fall guy in this, and it's like no. Like, you is, want is Emi Adoka married to Nia Long? Um, I think they're so. Engaged. They're engaged, but I like to call him Mr. Nia Long um, because <laughs> have you seen Nia Long? Hello. Um, I'm good for MA. Yeah, but I, mean, okay. I, look at, I look at this whole regime over the last decade, and you basically wasted two contender windows. Brad Stevens is like, hey, man, I was probably going to get fired or resign anyway, so I'm just going to move upstairs and take over Danny's job until 
until I don't have as much stink on me as uh, as I do now. Like okay, it's but just... all right, Andrew, I have a question. Then what? what is the, what is the all right? Leaving aside the mistakes that were made and mistakes were made, what do you do then? You're not getting you're not getting an all star straight up exchange for Jalen Brown. Oh no, Jaylen not Brown, at all. Here's here's what you do. You either it's and the Celtics are like a lot of teams in pro sports. Are you a contender or are you just trying to basically just basically kind of wish your way into contention or just kind of wish and hope your way into contention? Because I'm not hearing an answer to the question. (laughs) What do you do? What do you do? You either crap or get off the pot. Do you trade them? Well, Okay. Then I'm saying, then I'm saying trading Jalen Brown for a good, a, an interesting prospect in Jalen Johnson, a valuable role player in Kevin Herter, and a guy who, if he could stay healthy, could potentially be a 20-6 and six wing in DeAndre Hunter is exactly the kind of move that you make. And you get two picks to work with. The great thing is that he's never available. So that's going to be a good positive for the Boston Celtics to give Jason Tatum time to cook on his own. Because DeAndre Hunter will not be around. Not, you know, players with an injury history, they sometimes figure out a way to stay on the court. It's not a given. Yes. I mean, I, just, that's fine I'm, with I'm me. I'm so over I, this I would... team. Like, I haven't emotionally invested in myself this year because there's just... I, I, there's some, I, I like watching some Boston Celtics fans I know on the Twitter get, get mad and sad. That's fun for me. I'm fun, mm. okay with that. Well, um, but Chase... Yes. Your GM is already crapping on the roster that he built. I, I don't know if you should be... You well, know. we talked about that with the Atlanta sports guys. Uh, oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't realize I was treading on... Hold on. Well, I did 40 minutes on it. Deep. I'm just saying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, the, the, the Schlink stuff is, is sad. It's You don't hear that very often. But I will say, the 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 Falcons, the Hawks will do something. Uh, my my gut tells me, like, Gallo and Reddish for, like, Karis LeVert or something. But they're not going to make a big splash. Um, Gallo and Reddish. Also, um, I, yeah. I just, I just, I just want to say, I think Wendy was, uh, was absolutely correct on his assessment of the NBA trade deadline. And I think... People just need to realize the truth. I don't care. That intro was one of the funniest things I've. He's not wrong. He's not wrong, but it's just oh man. I'm sorry, you are very well compensated to care about that. I'm sure there are many other people who'd prefer to care about this meaningless, Mm -hmm. uh, meaningless gossip. If you didn't want to, I like. You don't have to do the job. No. Yeah. You're not required to do that job, man. I care about trade deadline gossip. I know that it's stupid and pointless. And just agents trying to like catch a, a slight advantage off one another. I don't care. I like that. Well, Hollinger <laughs> mentioned that on Hollinger and Duncan this week. He mentioned that with the play-in stuff, it's almost all just nonsense at this point because so many teams are still talking themselves into making so many, the playoffs. Because everyone, you know, every other. I think now officially, I think I saw this uh, little factoid early today is that I think half the league has been in COVID pro- protocols at one point or another. I would have guessed so, more. Cool, cool. Half. Well, the entire Hawks basically um, have been in COVID protocols at this point. Um, yeah, I don't know. 
Um, speaking of COVID, Aaron Rodgers, uh, MVP voter. So <gasps> this is our last thing. This is our <laughs> last. So I don't want to spend a bunch of time on this, but I'll just say that Aaron Rodgers evidently just stopped developing emotionally when he was about 19 years old. He is still just a goddamn dingus sophomore at Cal. The Ayn Rand book and like pointing to it like, look, guys, I read the book that every 19 year old bro reads. Look at it. Look at it. I'm sorry. I, I find him. He's so. He's so it's grating. It's grating, and it's not even that interesting. Like, be an interesting uh, a hole at least. If you're it's going like, to be an a hole, be like a not boring one. It's just the narcissism is just, and it's not like. Ugh. And his flex won. Like that Bears rider recanted. Like he won, I and know. I think. Congratulations! You bullied a. Fucking you bullied Hub Arkish. Wow. Yeah. Like the Hub. You bullied a beat guy into who got owned online. Great. Great. I I'm so just No wonder your family doesn't talk to you anymore. Wow, man. Throwing heaters tonight. So okay, so Olivia Munn is now dating John Mullaney and is clearly doing much better. Thank you very much. Well, you know, it's funny. It's funny you say that. And Chase, I know you didn't want to spend too much time on Aaron Rodgers, but I'm sorry that whole that whole thing with Boomer Esiason today. Uh, um, yeah, he basically called out Boomer Esiason on Friday. If you're listening to this later, uh, no, uh, I missed that. Oh yeah, oh, he yeah, had like so 19 different hashtags. Mad at, he's mad at a guy from Long Island. Congratulations. So Join so, the so Boomer Esiason basically said, "Oh yeah, Aaron Rodgers may boycott the Super Bowl because of the whole vaccination." thing in california and basically it was just like okay we know aaron Rodgers is full of crap but come on boomer you don't have to sit here and basically go super sane on being full of crap and then aaron Rodgers basically just said it's bs you know you don't know what you're talking about and he he used some choice words and then i responded to a uh one of the ESPN reporters who re- who retweeted it, and I said, "Does he? I wonder if he talks to his mother with his mouth." And, and then I was like, "Yeah, oh, oh never mind. He, he, he doesn't. No, Sorry. no, he, he doesn't. doesn't talk to his mom. Sorry." Aaron Rodgers, I challenge you to a fight in the octagon. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I just don't understand it. It just seems like a really miserable way to be. I don't. I don't understand. Like Baker seems like he's really not having a fun time in Cleveland. Baker's not having a fun time because he hasn't accepted responsibility. That's what that's about. Well, uh, I just for the Baker's not having a fun time because he plays for the Browns. I don't okay, know that too. But the Browns should have been good this year. Like they had a bunch of talent. Like the Browns should have been a Super Bowl team. Like they had don't. Mm-hmm. Don't run off your one of your best receivers. Uh, I don't think who, that was a big deal. They overtalked. Like both of them were not. Like OBJ is not that guy anymore. He is. He's, he's a, not that guy. But I mean, let's look at Baker. Baker's not that guy either. And that was my point. It's like I don't think either is just like I, we're, I we're getting enjoy way. Baker Mayfield's TV commercials. I find them delightful. <laughs> he's got. D- d- does he have more? T- so yeah. I got a question. Mm-hmm. Does he have more TV commercials? Per this year, I yeah. was gonna. I was gonna say, does he like during an NFL game? You they see play those Baker all TV. the time. He definitely the completions to TV spots like percentage is oh, way out of whack. It's gotta be. Yeah, he is a delightful pitchman. I I think that should not be discounted when considering the career of Baker Mayfield. 
Like Baker Mayfield will make me want to buy product. Oh, he's going to be on Fox NFL, right? Like he's a good candidate to replace Terry Bradshaw one day. Sure. So, man, I don't know. There's a difference between reading a script and even improvising off a script than doing being on the desk at the Chuckle Fest. Also, very specific. Yeah. Also, also, maybe Gardner Minshew. People are understanding. Oh, Kevin Stefanski is terrible at calling plays. Yeah. Ask any Vikings fan over the last four years. Duh. Like, this is what you guys wanted. Congratulations. Mm. Well, folks, we got to wrap up here with our picks of the week, and then we'll uh, we'll mosey on here. Bob, what is your pick of the week? Uh, I have a delightful blog. Mm-hmm. If you would like to read it. It is from uh, Business Insider. It is the story of Stefan Soloviev, who is a real estate scion. Uh, I will not give away too much. But I will say, if you enjoy the show Succession, you should read this blog because the actual lifestyles of the rich and famous, the ultra rich and famous, are far more horrific and stupid than anything that HBO would allow. Um, The headline of the article is he's got 20 kids, a four point four billion dollar real estate fortune and a trail of terrified nannies. Meet Stefan Soloviev. Hmm. He just brutalizes the help, treats them like absolute garbage, drug like fueled 4 a.m. feeding fests, uh, <clears throat> like awful business decisions. It's just it's it's a potpourri of awesomeness. And uh, it's uh, it's it's kind of an amazing story. Um, it would be nice to have enough money that it doesn't matter how much of a dingus you are. I think that sounds kind of awesome. I'm trying to think what kind of jerk I would be if I had $4 billion to fritter away. I'm not exactly sure, but uh, I don't know if it would be nanny terrorizing. I think I'd still be nice to the help. Mm. I would just give it all away. I was actually talking and walking with uh, the sports renaissance woman last night, uh, the dog, and we were talking about the lottery because I think it's up to like 600 and something million. And I told her, I was like, we're not keeping any of it. Like immediately we're, we're ending homelessness in Tennessee and Georgia. Like that's just Aww. where it's going. That's It's gone. Like I'm getting that's rid of all very, of that. That's very nice, man. That's all. Yeah. Okay. I mean, all right. But I want like a, a giant room that has a fish tank with a shark in it. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to lie. Like I, I would probably give... So it's, you said it's what six million? No, 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 no. You're you're leaving off some zeros. It's like six hundred and something million. Yeah. Oh, six hundred. Okay, yeah. so yeah, so I would probably like put like maybe an eighth of it, just give it away to charities and mm-hmm. just yeah, just in homelessness, you know, just um, all of that. But at the same time, give me like a quarter of it to just do some really stupid stuff. Not like Bezos level stupid, but more mm-hmm. like. Yeah, you, yeah. All the photos of him are really just just cementing his role as America's most divorced man. Uh, it's, kind of awesome. And it's but he, no, it's not. It's really bad divorced energy. It's mm. really, really. Bad. I just would. I'd be worried that it would, my work ethic would be zapped immediately. Where I'm just like, oh, I'm good forever. And you know what? I yeah. wouldn't say. I wouldn't say. You would I get would bored. Yes, you, I don't I want it. Swear to gosh, you would get bored. You I would, would get bored. I would try and divorce myself from the money as much as I can just because of that. Like I would like there's I think like we all you I would feel like find we all have passions though. Do. I, it's very hard to be 
I don't. I mean, granted, I'm sure that there are a great many wealthy people for whom the idea of actually working on something is an utterly anathema and incomprehensible. And when you, I guess, born, I know a couple of people who have that kind of money. One friend of the family who I really haven't seen in 20 years, so no is in quotes. And then one other person is an old dear friend of mine who, by dint of luck, managed and no intent of his own, managed to become a billionaire. Um, and neither of them, I mean, like one works, uh, he runs a bunch of restaurants out west. Um, he doesn't need to, certainly. Um, he has enough money that he can afford to not work in a restaurant. And, you know, if you've ever worked in a restaurant, you know that no job in that world is particularly easy or low stress. And, you know, the other one is also incredibly hard. I just think, like, there are people who were raised with it who maybe just are like, no. I just want to play with my toys all day long. But I, I, I kind of have, like, you know, I have t- I've tried taking, like, a week off, and, and I get, I start crawling the walls. I, I can't handle not working, and maybe that's bad. But I kind of feel like, look, Chase, if you win the lottery, which is awesome, you should probably give some to me and Andrew. <laughs> um, at that, and, and since we said it on a podcast, that's a binding legal agreement. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh and you would you would not you would not you would find I, I really don't think you have to worry about not working even if what you did necessarily wasn't didn't result in a paycheck you would find things to work on that you thought were important because it's very hard to be that indolent again unless I think if you grow up in it but like I said I have two people who I know who have uh what call it eight figure wealth and neither of them are are slacking really. Mm. Andrew, what's your pick of the week? My pick of the week, it is, uh, it's not necessarily an article, but it's just all of the SEC and Southern base college football writers complaining about the cold of Indiana um, with the college football playoff <laughs> championship game. Like I, as soon as we kind of figured, uh, what was it, mid October that yeah it's probably going to be Alabama and Georgia in the championship game I have been waiting on this I have been waiting on Southerners complaining about one there's nothing to do in Indiana or Indianapolis fair points were made but also the weather and it's like guys you kind of sort of knew this was happening and it's like oh hey maybe you shouldn't uh maybe the sport shouldn't cater to to an entire conference or an entire region and now all of a sudden you guys want to complain about it when people are trying to are, are trying to grow the game nationally again so yeah no it's been it's been fun watching like i like ross dellinger he's fantastic he does a great job uh but seeing his tweets about oh god it's gonna be cold in indianapolis not gonna lie it's been enjoyable Mm. my pick of the week is not really a pick of the week because i'm not really sure still a week later what to think about it i saw a licorice pizza or indie uh, theater what are your thoughts weekend. on that thoughts <sighs> it is so I've complicated very uncomfortable um thinking about that movie <sighs> i i we, we can also i mean we'll save it for next week i did see the matrix when it came out um and uh, i have thoughts on it you'd be surprised to know i have many thoughts okay licorice pizza was really well done Philip Seymour Hoffman's son is really good, really talented. Like the cast is nice. Bradley Cooper is actually the best part of that movie. He plays John Peters 
and he puts on a 10 minute clinic that is out of this world. Like for it, for Chase Thomas podcast fans who aren't aware, John Peters is a real Hollywood producer. Yes. who really did date Barbara Streisand. Uh, the one of the more and 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 a really sort of uh, crazy person. <laughs> yeah, there there's a whole part in the documentary about the Kevin Smith Superman that never got made about John Peters inviting Kevin Smith to his luxurious <laughs> estate for a consultation and. I'm and, sorry, but I just I know where, I know where this is going. That's yeah. why I was just busting out laughing and insisting that the climax of the Superman movie, regardless of what happened in the hour and a half beforehand or hour and forty minutes beforehand, had to be that Superman fights a giant mechanical spider. And kids, we didn't get the mechanical spider. We did on not the get the giant movie, mechanicals because Kevin Smith but, never made the, the Nicolas Cage Superman. Damn it, he but, got that mechanical spider in a freaking movie gosh darn that's right it. john peters evidently ended up producing the awful uh will smith kevin klein vehicle wild wild west which ends with a fight between will smith and the he giant got mechanical his mechanical spider, spider he got the, the man movie. wants to see a hero battle a giant mechanical spider and that's what we were talking about earlier that if you're wealthy you can devote your life to your true passions well, there you go. But either way, he plays John <laughs> Peters in this, and it's, it's really unbelievable. Funny. I would encourage people to see the movie just for Bradley Cooper playing John Peters. It's unreal. It is just 10 minutes of movie goodness that I just, I'm glad that I saw because I was in tears and it was, it was delightful, but the rest of the movie, very complicated and I still don't know what to say about it. I, I'm, I'm excited. It's going to take a while, but the, the new season of The Boys Mm. June. I very much enjoyed this show. It is on Amazon Prime for those who would like to partake. The first two seasons are available. It is, uh, I believe it is the most accurate depiction of what life would be like with uh, superheroes in the real world. Spoiler alert, they're they're fascists. So I, th- I think it's, an, it's a very good show. Anthony Starr's portrayal of the Superman figure just as a An evil, 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 evil character is delightful, and you get, you know, yet it's it's a quality show. I recommend it for anyone. And you you get Carl Urban, who I feel like you get Carl Urban. You, 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 I feel like he is my spirit animal on that show. Yeah, especially when when it comes down to the Fresca Cockney murderer. Yeah, nobody likes Fresca. You also get Aya Cash. Aya Cash is delightful in everything. For mm. one season. Maybe is that the one from You're the Worst? Yes. Yeah. Great show. Aya Cash plays a straight up actual national socialist who survived into the modern ages and plays a hero called Stormfront. <laughs> it's not a villain hero, it's, hero villain. It, it's not subtle. It is not. No, it's and it's it's very so like all I'll say is that like when if you think about the last, I'd say maybe decade and you think about you know those types of people stormfront you're like oh man this is and and if you're on the other end of the and if you're on the other end of the political spectrum it's fairly clear that next season one of the key villains is going to be uh, an evil superpower version of uh alexandria ocasio-cortez bob silverman allen's kids andrew hammond for everybody (laughs) always a pleasure I will talk to you guys next week. Absolutely.
right, hello, and welcome back to the Atlanta Sports Guys here on the Chase Most Podcast. We're back after a few weeks off because of the holiday season the holiday season it pushes us uh, uh pushes us all in different directions and it's it's difficult it's difficult with the traveling max going to miami for a game that is not to be discussed uh, uh, similar to uh lord voldemort in the harry <laughs> potter series we just uh, we won't say the name and what happened there but uh i, pr- I appreciate that yeah i'm looking out for you max uh because if i was Do you in... have like an agreement not to talk about your bowl games or something like that like a predetermined <laughs> Well, we're definitely not addressing the Tennessee bowl game. I, I'm not even close to being ready to address that on a podcast. I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure the season actually ended after conference championships. Like mm. nothing else happened. <laughs> oh man, it doesn't. Nah, it probably Michigan doesn't help. That. Season, man. I, 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 Michigan was a fun team this year. I will say they they far exceeded all expectations. I think they and exceeded expectations. About that into yeah. about to parlay that into an NFL gig. Now it looks like. We'll or a see. Massive raise. That'd be weird to get a massive raise immediately after taking a pay cut to get your guys paid. Um, that would be a. I don't know how contracts worked. I'm I'm not an agent, but I would like to know how that uh, how that all would un, would unfold because I I don't understand how that would work if that really is the play here. Well, well yeah. Um, we don't have to talk too much about Jim Harbaugh's contract, but like yeah. basically he. Basically, it was like an F you to him last year. It was like, mm-hmm. all right, do it or you're going to get fired. And then he did it when mm-hmm. no one expected him to do it. So it's like, okay, well, you better bring me back to where I was at least. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. I think some of this NFL stuff is is quite real, mm. uh, which is maybe not the point of this podcast in any way. But I'm definitely <laughs> getting worried about that. Not the point of this podcast. Not the point of this podcast. The point of this particular uh, portion of the podcast, guys, is the Atlanta sports that we that we unfortunately partake in on a weekly basis, especially uh, the Atlanta Hawks, the Atlanta Falcons as of this moment. Um, don't forget, folks, you can find Garrett Chapman, who's here on Twitter.com at GChapATL. And then also Max Markovich on Twitter.com at Max underscore Markovich. So go give them a follow if you have not already done so. Um, I think we need to start with the with the Falcons. I think the Hawks are the main event here because Falcons, they, they wrap up here on Sunday against the New Orleans Saints. We'll see how that goes. They can, I guess, play pseudo-spoiler, although I, I don't think the Saints are making the playoffs either way. Um, but yeah, that's that's something to play for, a rivalry game. Uh, kind of unfortunate that the last Saints game of the year or the one of the two times we played the Saints is not uh, a big-time game and has no real ramifications. But I get why you would schedule this late um, with the anticipation that both teams would be uh, potentially doing pretty well uh, down the stretch. But I want to start from the Buffalo game because we were texting back and forth. I, uh, I did not have a good time uh, watching this particular football game in the second half enjoyed the first half the first half was a delight it's like watching a tennessee volunteer first quarter where uh everything's amazing and uh it, they're the most unbeatable team in in football um but they ultimately lost josh allen had a horrid day devin singletary ran all over them in the second half but you know it, this was a fun game we got a matt ryan taunting penalty on a touchdown run late in the game that was a touchdown and then reversed and uh he was short and then he got a taunting penalty so 15 yard line and then uh they don't convert on fourth down but a lot to take away from this game because 
there was a lot of lot of positives, especially in the first half. I think that this was this was pretty fun, and Kyle Pitts had the highlight of the day with that sixty plus yard uh, scamper he got uh, down the left hand side of the field. Um, tweaked his hammy, it looks like, uh, in and out of that game. But I thought it was fun by and large. Uh, Max, what did you make of the Buffalo loss? Yeah, I think, um, I, first of all, I think it's kind of emblematic of the season that one of the highlights of the year is Matt Ryan getting a taunting penalty on a touchdown that wasn't a touchdown. Mm-hmm. And the taunting penalty eventually being the reason why there was no, like, we didn't score on that drive. Um, but, but besides the point, I think I texted you guys in the first half, um, that one of my big takeaways is that I don't think this offense is that far off from like being good, uh, not great, good. Um, I think it's like two and a half pieces away from like being a legitimately good NFL offense, um, and, and I think those pieces are are pretty obvious. Like they need another weapon, um, whether that's Calvin Ridley or not. I don't know if we're going to even talk about Calvin Ridley. Um, whether that's Calvin Ridley or, or another receiver in the draft, or ideally both. Um, and then, I mean, you, we, someone's got to figure out the Jalen Mayfield spot. That guy gets it, truly one of the worst uh, offensive starters for the Falcons in my lifetime. Um, he was not good in this game either. All that said, I, I think there was some optimism about like what this will look like in the years to come. Like, I, I think it's pretty obvious that with Mike Davis, who is... in the twilight of his career and was never exactly a top-tier NFL running back, and Cordero Patterson, who's a completely converted weapon as the running backs, um, this offense can run the ball and, like, can can actually do that against some pretty good defenses. And I think that's one takeaway. And so if you add, you know, a young running back um, to that room and shore up the offensive line a little bit, like, what does that look like going forward? I'm pretty optimistic. And that's really important for Matt Ryan in the twilight of his career, who's completely reliant um, always was, but especially now on play action, on timing, um, on keeping the defense off balance that way because he's not exactly mobile and doesn't quite have the arm strength. Um, so I'm optimistic about that. And then Kyle Pitts, man, like he just he just gets better. And I, and I think it's hard to like contextualize how good of a season he had because the rest of the offense was extremely depressing. Um, and, and I don't think he was necessarily as reliable as maybe – we hoped he'd be, but God, the flashes are just freaking insane. And he's 21 years old, putting up a thousand yards as essentially the only downfield weapon in the offense. Um, and man, the sky's the limit for him. And so there's some reasons for optimism. I mean, the defensive talent needs a complete revamp, but also AJ Terrell's pretty freaking good. Um, and so, you know, pretty blah Falcon season altogether. But I, I think there are some reasons to carry some optimism. Garrett, what do you think? I mean, it definitely feels like a tweener season. I think it was always destined to be that. But, I mean, Max kind of alluded to it, honestly. He's like, schematically, the Falcons have looked pretty good. Um, like He mentioned this before. It was like he said, like, like look at that backfield. You look at Cordero Patterson. He's just a, a, a mixture of a, a wide receiver, a running back, and Mike Davis, who's never really been an elite running back, but they're still able to run the football relatively effectively uh, between behind an offensive line that's eh, at best. And I mean, that's that's just a testament to Arthur Smith and this and this coaching staff. Uh, defensively, it looks like the, the the team is not very good, but it looks like they've shown improvement. Um, like Dean Pease has has really, I think he's elevated the play. I mean, like the, the it's it's greater than the sum of its parts, you know. So like this is the story of that season is 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 the fact. That I think the team is buying in, 
Um, but the talent's just not there right now, especially on offense. When you look at Calvin Ridley departing, and then all of a sudden it's just that's it. <laughs> he was he was your guy on offense, and uh, look, I, I think I think the right coaching staff is in place. I, th- I think that much is evident. Um, Dean Pease, he'll he'll probably stick around for another couple of years with Arthur Smith coaching the offense. And uh, look, this, I, I think I think this team has shown promise, um, but. I think this this offseason is tremendously important because as we start to get a lot of these dead contracts off of the books, um, Terry Fontenot, look, all eyes are on you, dude. It, 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 by all measures, uh, this is a solid coaching staff. Um, I want to see what Terry Fontenot can do this draft season, this offseason, if he can make the right re-signings, if he can structure deals properly. I want to see what he does with Grady Jarrett. I want to see what he does with Matt Ryan's contract. Uh, I it, uh, Deion Jones, he's a guy who's, who's being paid a lot of money. Um, is he worth that money? I don't know. It doesn't really fit too well in his Dean Pease defense. Oh, I can answer that one. He it does not. No. Uh, let me go ahead it, and it uh, say no. Well, but <laughs> that's a that's a big question mark going on going into this offseason. Um, what do you do with Foye Luicon? Like, what are you going to do with the top ten pick that I'm assuming is going to be a top ten pick? Um, they're they have the potential. Like, you you move Calvin Ridley potentially. If I don't know, you mentioned this in the text. Like, what four top sixty picks? Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. You can turn a season around or turn a team around very quickly if you hit in the draft. And, and one year in, Kyle Pitts slam dunk. I think we all kind of knew that was going to happen anyway. Richie Grant not so much. I, I was super high on him. I, I mean, he, he was a very, very he was an impact player for me. That's what I thought he would be. As he's been kind of meh this season. So. I want to see the continued development of the youth. I want to see what Terry Fontenot does on the draft this year. He's got a hit, man. He's got a hit because I think this coaching staff is solid, and I don't want to see it wasted, uh, that and the twilight years of Matt Ryan's career, uh, with a talentless Falcons team, uh, which is what we saw this year. Uh, I, I think the pieces are in place. He just needs to fill in the gaps, get us some linebackers, get us some edge rushers, talent on the outside. Uh, there are just holes on this team that need to be filled. Are we and worried? Think, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I just I, I think every fan base says this every off season, but it's it's it, it's going to be such a pivotal off season for Terry Fontenot in terms of like how does he actually want to build a football team? Like last year, he came in and, and his hands were just tied behind his back, and so you know he had to extend Matt Ryan in order to field a competent football team. Like like that's basically what he said to the to the press. Um, which is totally, you know, fine. He was in a terrible cap situation. Like, he had no options. This offseason, he's got options. And as we talked about, like, that first draft is looking kind of shaky. But, you know, if he has four top 60 picks this year and perhaps more cap space than he anticipated if if Ridley um, is not on the team, if they move from Deion Jones, if they move off Grady Jarrett, like we're gonna get a real sense of of the foundation of what he wants to do, where I think I think we we can kind of say, Arthur Smith, um, I I think overall a relatively positive first season with what he was working with. Terry Fontenot, it's one big question mark. It is incomplete, um, and we're gonna get a better sense of 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 that uh, in the next few months. I and think it's clear one, that one last, oh go ahead one last thing on this sorry, but but it's like the difference. The difference between the Atlanta Falcons or even just like the New York Jets or like some terrible football team and a playoff team in the NFL is not as much as most people think. It, it really is not. These are still professional football teams, and they have a lot of talent on those rosters. It is typically a handful of players. You can turn it around and become a playoff team very quickly. Uh, if Look you at what Dallas did with that defense. That's exactly. 
Yeah. Like, look, you yeah. put the right you, – you get a good coach. Uh, Dan Quinn, for all of his shortcomings as a head coach for the Atlanta Falcons, he's a damn good defensive coordinator. He showed that in, in, in Seattle, uh, and he's showing it again in Dallas. But the difference between a bad football team and a playoff team is not that much. It's really not that much, especially if you have a competent head coach, competent coordinators, and a franchise quarterback in place. It is not that much. The Atlanta Falcons should be a playoff team. I think the only thing standing in the way of that is a successful draft from Terry Fontenot. I still just feel like we're on the Pittsburgh Steelers trajectory right now. And I don't know if that means <laughs> this team can really make a, a, a run here late with Matt Ryan. I mean, the hits he's taken this year. What did he, what, did he have five sacks on Sunday? Um, he was getting... Start. Say it again? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's bad like he has just been dealt a bad hand i don't know what he deserved to uh i don't know what he did to deserve Jalen mayfield as his starting left guard for the majority of a football season at his age but um i don't know i just the thing i worry about with this group and kyle pitts we cannot say enough good things i mean the one thing i do wonder is his health like the he has been tweaked a little bit and i don't have his snap count in front of me but it feels like he he is not someone who we is going to be in a bunch of snaps. Like he's not going to be a DeAndre Hopkins where he's just on the field all the time. It seems like he's going to be uh, the Swiss Army knife that we uh, that we utilize when we can. And uh, I think they're going to be very careful with Kyle Pitts over the years. I, I think that's going to be something interesting to watch. And I'm I want to see his snap counts year to year. But um, I do think this is we've seen enough where it's like I think Arthur Smith is a better head coach than Dan Quinn was a head coach like I, I think that much we know for certain that he is a better head coach Dan Quinn is it fine like Garrett said fine defensive coordinator but just not not meant to be a head coach and people are like oh he went to the Super Bowl now Kyle Shanahan went to the Super Bowl um, in 2017-2018 uh, so I am optimistic about some areas I'm optimistic about Russell Gage. I'm optimistic about certain portions of the offensive line. I'm optimistic with the run game. If you get the right backs in there, that we saw Mike Davis really break through a little bit this week. We saw Cordell Patterson do what he did. But on the flip side, guess who the Falcons are going to have to replace? Their running backs coach because Des Kitchings took the uh, Virginia offensive coordinator job uh, to join up with Tony Elliott, who takes over uh, in Charlottesville next year. So I um. I don't know. I think it's all very interesting to see where they're going. And like we've talked about four picks in the first 60 is huge. And we were talking in the text thread uh, about the first three picks and where they could go. And my line of thinking is I would like to give up on the defense. I would like to give up on edge rushers. I would like to give up on trying to do something there. Because if you look at the, the Rolodex of the last like 12 to 13 years, it's just been objectively horrendous and with no end in sight so for me i'm like i'd rather just take a break let's just keep adding to the secondary let's replace Deion jones and give foyer the right kind of uh linebacker to work with go with a corner like someone out of washington dbu like mcduffie who i like a lot and then you know just load up with the mechies of the world the wandale robinsons and just more playmakers but the elephant in the room is still the the falcons have to address wide receiver early in the draft because of the Calvin Ridley situation. Like that is something that's not Terry Fontenot's fault. That's not anyone in this current administration's fault, but that is something that has to be talked about when you discuss the Falcons future. And like something that kind of sabotages them in the short term is that all of this with Ridley really, really hurts the Falcons. It hurt them this year and it really hurts in this off season. It hurts them in the draft. It hurts them across the board. Like that is an unfortunate 
side effect or unfortunate consequence rather of what's happened here. And if the reports are true, they're both looking to move on and find a new home. Like that's fine. And you wish the best for Calvin Ridley, but the situation remains unchanged, which is the Falcons have to address this now when they did not think they would have to address this need. Yeah. And they, and they made moves dictating, I mean, they traded Julio Jones dictating like with this idea that you're building around a weapons core of Ridley and Pitts, and that's a great place to start. Mm-hmm. But when you take Ridley out of that equation, it's like, okay, I don't like it, it. What's frustrating about it is, okay, you know, maybe it's best for both sides to move on. We don't know. We can't really speculate because we've heard nothing. Um, but what's frustrating about it is you, you can't afford to spend the 10th overall pick or whatever it's going to be on like Jamison Williams. Like, I'm sorry, you, you mm-hmm. can't do it. And if you do, you are doing exactly what you're saying. You're, you're punting on the defense needs playmakers. Like they desperately need playmakers. And I, I'm not willing to punt on defense. And if you can't invest serious capital in that, like you thought going into this year and throughout this year, like you're going to be able to really dig your teeth into investing in the draft capital in, in some playmakers. You got, you got a great haul for Julio. You can use that to parlay some young, young defensive talent. If you can't do that, it, it, it once again ties your hands behind your back. And then you're also drafting weapons, not knowing who the quarterback's going to be in two years. Um, and that's what no one really talks about anymore because Matt Ryan's kind of been a soldier and and uh, sucked it up a lot this year, honestly. Um, but the big picture direction of the franchise is still dictated by who's going to be quarterback. Mm-hmm. And next year, it, it probably will still be a Matt Ryan. Um, I, I don't think it a year after it'll still be Matt Ryan. And so how do you build a franchise knowing you're just sort of in the preemptive phase of a teardown? And that's that's the real question that Terry Fontenot has to answer this offseason. And I, there's no good answer other than continue to accumulate talent and uh, and build from there. Really tough conversations to have with Matt Ryan this offseason, I think. Um I don't know. Would you, you know, it's interesting too, when people talk about the quarterbacks in this draft and there's uh, like, it's going to be very interesting. There's a bunch of talent at the senior bowl this year with Malik Willis, Matt Corral, Carson Strong, uh, Sam Howell, the list goes on. Like this is actually, uh, Kenny Pickett. Like I've seen some mocks where the Falcons have taken Pickett in the first round. And the one today that I sent you guys that uh, had uh, Corral round one, uh, I think it was Mechie round two and Brees Hall round three. Um, three straight offensive weapons but i think no matter what we have i don't want to running back in the first round but i think this team has to address running back at some point early on second third maybe fourth um it just has to be one of the at least top four rounds it has to be a pick and then you think about like the quarterback room and they're like oh you should have taken it last year it's like justin fields i think has the worst total qbr in the nfl right now um zach wilson has had a really really rough year anyone would say Oh well, it bothers my mind that anyone says they should have taken a quarterback last year. What what franchise are you watching? Exactly, and that's my whole thing about when we people talk about this. It's like, oh, if you wanted a quarterback, you should have taken it last year. And I'm like, what have you seen from Trey Lance that makes you think that that was just the the only move they had to make? And Trevor Lawrence, like one TD, seven picks his last four games, he's really struggled. Like, I don't understand that line of thinking whatsoever. And to dismiss this class because you there was more hype around the last class doesn't change the fact that this upcoming class could be better and that. There, these players may not have the same uh, pizzazz that a Fields or a Lawrence has, but like, there's still a lot of talent there. And Kenny Pickett put on a absolute, just 
all-time great run this year with Mark Whipple of uh, Pitt, who just moved to uh, Nebraska to fix their offense as their new OC. But man, I don't know. I wouldn't hate it, but the idea that like they can't do it this year because they didn't do it last year, that's that's not a real reason for me. What do you think, Garrett? I think we're kind of in the same situation as we were last year. I mean, because we, we kicked the can down the road again with Matt Ryan. Um, he still he still owed a lot of money, and he's still consistently playing every single game at a, at least a moderate level. Um, he hasn't been a complete liability. Uh, he's, he's had a few games where he's been – he hasn't made the team better. Um, but I think that has much, as much to do with the fact that a lot of his weapons just seemingly disappeared <laughs> throughout the course of the season. There was, there was a point this year – where that Kyle Pitts was was limited, um, Russell Gage didn't play, Calvin Ridley didn't play, and it's, it's like, okay, what do you expect him to do? You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, at the end of the day, it's like I don't see the Falcons taking a quarterback high. Um, and I'm kind of with Max on this. Where I, look, at the end of the day, like this defense is just starving, starving for top players. Um, and I, I actually, while he was talking, I quickly looked up the top 15 teams. Uh, defensively, and just just in terms of scoring, eleven of the top fifteen teams are playoff teams. That's not a that's not a, a, a mistake. Like, like, look, this is a consistent thing year to year. Top fifteen defenses go to the playoffs. Top five defenses win Super Bowls. Like that is still even in this day and age of, of dominant offense, those teams still win the day. Um, yeah, you need to have a competent offense in order to win the Super Bowl. Generally, that's a very important aspect of a, a winning football team. Uh, and as long as that defense plays complementary football, that's important. But the thing is, the Falcons don't have an identity. They don't have a a competent, uh, a, a complementary offense or defense. And I think that's the big thing that we were alluding to in the, in the previous, I guess, segment, not really. But the last question you would ask about uh, what we see from the Falcons is an identity. And that's really what we need to, to, to form. And you say, do it on offense. I, I halfway agree. Uh, um, I just can't justify spending a 10th overall pick, like Max was saying, on a wide receiver or much less a, a running back or a quarterback. I just don't see one of those players there this year. Um, so I, what I really want to see is a defender. The Falcons need a defender. Well, I think you we also, also learned is that Fontenot's going to go BPA first round. I think we've learned that he is a BPA yeah. guy, and whoever he has is the best player available at that slot. That's where he's going to go. And yeah, I think that's fine, mm-hmm. but I just don't know who that player is yet. It might not be a defender, I mean, is what I'm saying. Hamilton, safety, I yeah. like him a lot. I think he'd be a perfect pick. Perfect. Safety early would be tough for me. If it's a guy like Kyle Hamilton, he's a game changer. Okay, I, I guess I wouldn't hate it, but, but that'd be early. The point in the you're also at the point in the NFL where if you're if you're drafting a rookie quarterback, you need to. It's like strategic. You have to be able to do so when you can build up the rest of the roster to take advantage of the quarterback on the rookie deal. So, especially when everyone says they should have taken a quarterback last year, they weren't in position to build a winning team around a rookie quarterback. And if you waste two to three years of a rookie quarterback's deal, you're tying your hands behind your back before you even have a chance to win. And so that's the other issue is, like, they're not getting off Matt Ryan's money this year. And so you you, you can draft Matt Corral, great. You don't have a winning team around him, and there's no path to doing so at any point soon. I'm so fascinated. This is just going to be such a weird, interesting offseason. And I think there's going to be a lot of turnover, a lot of change. And I don't know, Blank might want to be aggressive here. He might uh, implore that Fontenot uh, 
like, hey, Matt Ryan has been loyal, been great, like we're doing more than uh, Falcons fans might expect. Um, maybe they're more active in the edge rusher market. Maybe they're more active adding more vets at corner. Maybe they look at uh, not through the draft to uh, to replace Deion Jones with someone through trade or free agency. I'm just I'm very curious to see what they do uh, across the board um, because it, it it's just been a weird year where I think even still like wouldn't we unanimously agree that like if they win eight games that was probably better than what we especially without ridley for the majority of these games and with the play of the offensive line eight wins is kind of wild right yeah i I think we talked about this on the pod i I think i pegged this as a seven or eight win team but that was when calvin ridley was like lining up for the team like if you had told me that calvin ridley was going to miss over half of the season i think it was like i think he's going to end up missing what 65 70 percent of the season like if you told me that was the case, I, I would not have thought that this was any more than a, a four win team. Like that's how important of a playmaker he is. Um, the, the, the Falcons were ready to make him the guy, mm-hmm. and for some reason, I, like I hope his his mental state is okay. Like obviously, I think that's true. But the, at the end of the day, dude, like come on, I don't know. Uh, man, I don't want to speculate just, on any so of that. Hard. Like it stinks, and I just I hope he's well, and I hope yeah he fought. Like I hope all of that is good. But we have to, like, you still have to address this. This is still something that affects it. the team. Like, I, we just have heard nothing. Like, it's just something that we just don't know anything about. I, I kind of think that they've been walking on eggshells around it because, yeah. especially in 2021, 2022, it's like mental health obviously is extremely important. It's always important, but it just feels like they're kind of letting Calvin Ridley dictate a little bit too much and just kind of slap the mental health label onto it. That's what it feels like. I don't know if that's the case, obviously, but I mean, shit, even I'm walking on eggshells right now talking about it, but well, it's because we all don't want to, we don't want to say the wrong thing because ultimately we want the best for Calvin Ridley. Like all three of us want the best for Calvin Ridley. It's just, there's no information. And now the report comes out that they might agree to part ways. And you're like, okay, where is this coming from? Cause we haven't heard anything on the matter for weeks. And then it makes you wonder, okay, does he like, I, I, this could this is just like rampant speculation. So I didn't want to go down that road, but like it is something that just causes more questions, stirs more questions because we just don't know. And for a player as important as Calvin Ridley to just depart, and then it's just like over. Where now they're just talking about him never coming back, and he's already played his last snap as a Falcon. You're like wow, that escalated really quickly and really really hurt the Falcons franchise in the short term and the long term because they have to uh, react accordingly on both fronts through the draft and through this season so it was it's just a, a double whammy that has ramifications and affects a lot of people's jobs a lot of people's um, just performance on the field too like it 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 mattered that he wasn't there and that Eliminate Zacchaeus was a active part of this uh, Atlanta Falcons targeting group because uh, I, for one, did not enjoy it. I don't know if you guys uh, felt the same, but uh, Matt Ryan looking at Eliminate Zacchaeus uh, for a lot of critical third downs this year has not been a delight for me. And, and Arthur Smith also can't like step up to the mic and be like, well, this has been really hard because yeah. I plan to build this, this entire offense around Calvin yep. Ridley and all of a sudden week four, he's gone. Like he can't say that because that's insensitive and, and whatnot. And he's just not going to get into that. But you ha- it has to be what he's thinking. It, it, there's no other outcome. Like he did not plan for Russell Gage and Amade Zacchaeus and Taji Sharp to be, mm-hmm. to be his go-to receivers. Like that's not, it's not. It wasn't in the plan. And so, 
he, but but no one can say any of that. And and that's what's so hard, I'm sure, frustrating for him is like, yeah, man, this isn't the offense that I planned for because the number one weapon uh, was gone all of a sudden. It, snap of a finger. It's tough. It's tough. But we'll see ultimately what happens. Let's uh, let's hit the Hawks who play the Lakers tonight on ESPN at 10 o'clock. Very excited for that one um, in just a little bit. But guys this is uh this has been a really really tumultuous last few days i i just want to read the travis schlink uh where garrett chapman of 19 on the game he got to I, I i were you in the in the building when this interview went up well i mean seeing as i think the the interview was replayed probably about a hundred times at the station over the course of the next couple of days <laughs> dude that was it was a I mean, it, it made it on ES. It was on ESPN. It was mm-hmm. everywhere. I saw it all over social media. That 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 exploded. But I mean, that's one thing about Travis Schlink, though. Travis Schlink, um, and I'll let you obviously, I'll let you quote everything that you want to. But it's like the guy. He comes on every single week with us. Uh, he does the morning show with John and Hugh. And he, uh, credit to him, he's he's pretty honest. He's he's straightforward with us. He doesn't he doesn't beat around the bush. He doesn't kind of give us half-assed answers. He he's honest with us and he's upfront. And I respect that about him and now honestly this is how he's feeling this was after um i think this was after uh oh what was the game last weekend it was just a, a the blown lead just the trailblazers just a, a disappointing game where the, the hawks should have won but I'll, I'll let you get to it and trey also went off in that one that was uh, an all-time yeah, great trade points and as a historic night and the hawks blew it well here's what he said in 99 the game he said, quote, maybe I need to lower my expectations for this team. Ultimately, all of this falls on my shoulders. I put this group together and they're not responding. So we needed to take a deep look into this. I have to accept that responsibility that maybe it wasn't such a great idea to bring everybody back. That's on me, which is kind of what we've said on this podcast for the last couple months. And like going into the year, our biggest fear as a group was that they have too many guys, that they have, they brought everybody back, they paid everybody. And they're, they wanted to build off that magical run from this past spring. And it did not pay out. It just did not unfold that way. And obviously, injuries have been a big part of that. COVID destruction. Um, but that's been across the league. And then you just... It just hasn't worked. Like, all of it... Like, Lou Williams falling off an absolute cliff has obviously not helped things. I think Nate McMillan deserves uh, a lot of the blame here as well. Um, with his rotations and his yep. choices, I think he has to like people don't want to do this because like he was just awesome uh this past run, him stepping up from interim, but like the stuff that Pacers fans warned Falcon or Falcons fans warned Hawks fans about with McMillan is just it's coming it's coming to the surface and there are questions there. Um all that being said, this is just I, I don't know where they're going. Like we've gone back and forth about what they could do, what what's gonna happen here. I don't think they're going to take a big swing mid-season. I don't think they're going to disrupt it that much. But, like, I do think a, a si- not a seismic, but like a like a four. I don't know what the Richter scale is <laughs> in terms of good to bad. But, like, somewhere in the medium is where I think Schlink's going to have to make a move. And it has to be either Gallo or Bogey, who no one really talks about. has just been bad for the majority of this year as well. And maybe that's partly injury, but that has been a, a big issue as well. But the defense doesn't play well. Schlink also talked about they just can't get stops. No one really does what they need to do defensively. That's not good, which that signif- uh, just signifies that there is an effort problem across the board. Um, 
I don't know. There's This is a mess, and I don't know what's going to happen uh, with the Lakers this evening, but man, it just, it's just been a bummer. It, this whole season has been a bummer because Trey is the lone, lone major bright spot. He's gone up a level, and Max, you posed this, I think, in the group chat of like, we're wasting an all-time great Trey year. And my uh, retort back was that like, still early to say we wasted it because I still think Schling can do something. But based on these comments, I don't think there's any way that he doesn't do something, right? I mean, I mean, he has to. And I think that, like, even reading those quotes, like, if, if people out there haven't listened to the way he's speaking about it, like, he's just exasperated. And, and I, I'm glad you brought up uh, – that's like – I'm glad you brought up McMillan because, my God, man, like, like no, no one wants to talk about it because he was great last year. Mm-hmm. But it's like, at a certain point, getting your team to defend, like – Defense is at minimum 50% effort. Like, you have to get them to buy into playing defense. We can have the second best offense in the NBA and still not be a playoff team if you don't guard. And yeah, I mean, it's frustrating also because I don't think people are willing to acknowledge how good of a year Trey's having um, because of the record, and that's totally fine. But he is, and I said it before the year, like, you could sort of see it coming with his shooting numbers. Like if those shooting numbers ticked up and you kind of knew they always would, like he was going to take it up a level and he is, he absolutely should be in consideration for first team all NBA. That's second guard spot. Like there's, I would there's agree. no, he's firmly in that conversation, but it's not going to happen if this team finishes below 500 or 500. Like, and that's frustrating because it's, it's annoying because everything around Trey has just been a, in complete volatility and we, we should bring up the COVID stuff because it definitely hasn't helped anything. Um, but at a certain point, like the, the evidence is there that this team doesn't want to guard at all and has no motivation to do so. And that is partially on Schlank. I, I thought it was very telling that he said, um, you know, maybe he shouldn't have brought everyone back. Cause it's like, yeah, those are the conversations that the entire fan base was having. And, it, and it's really, um, especially like early mid season. It's really jarring to hear the general manager say that, um, on radio, like, that's what I was and thinking. I, the first thing I saw was like, this is wild. I've never heard wild. a general manager in midseason talk like this ever. Wild coming off of an Eastern Conference. Like he he could have a million excuses to be like, you know, I wanted to, to see what this team would look like uh, coming off an Eastern Conference finals appearance. Like, I still believe in these guys, but, you know, maybe changes. He could have said all that. He didn't. He was like, why are these guys giving up 120 points a game? Like, this is my fault. Like, blah, blah, blah. And. It definitely is indicative of a deeper, I don't know if I want to say crisis in that locker room, but there's something going on. Like, it's not, this can't just be like a personnel matter. Um, and so they're going to make changes, and, and I think we can talk about names of potential swings, and Mark Stein floated Ben Simmons today, which I'm sure could invoke a separate hour-long discussion if we wanted. Um, but, I mean, nobody's off the, t- besides Trey, nobody's completely safe right like you can't no one's completely off the table except capella who can't be traded (laughs) until the end of the year which is another discussion but he's gotten better the problem with capella is that like he's getting better and getting back to form but anyeka and kongwo is just going to be a star like that like it just there's going to come a point where capella has to be moved to give Kongwo just a lot more minutes and a lot more opportunity at the closing five spot like eventually that just kind of has to happen right well yeah but it's also like the the type of star you're going to trade for 
like you kind of have to think about okay if you're going to trade for a star to pair with Trey it has to be like a really like a impactful defensive player mm-hmm. um and if you trade for an impactful defensive player there aren't a ton of those guys who are also good enough spacing to make it work with Capella and Collins right um i mean my ultimate dream hope like desire name would be Jalen Brown um yeah. i think that makes a ton of sense but there's been no real indication that he's available and Jalen Brown would be so much. You fun. also have to consider like Jalen Brown is the, is the perfect guy to put with Trey. Yes. But it, it, you know, if you can get Ben Simmons at sixty cents on the dollar <laughs> or whatever, like that's a discussion that has to be had because he's mm-hmm. like we talk about Trey as a one man top five offense in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Like that is a fact. You can put him on any team in the league, and I believe they'd be a top five offense. He's transcendent. Um, ben Simmons is like a one man top ten to fifteen defense. Yeah. Um, he is a real he's a he would completely overhaul the way this defense looks. And you can't just dismiss that outright because of everything we saw last year. And well the problem with that me. is anyone that Daryl Morey uh would give up Ben Simmons for on the Hawks, the Hawks are not giving up. Like it the it starts with like Trey Young for him, and outside of that he's not doing a trade. <laughs> That's it. Like he's hanging up. Like Daryl Morey has that list of like guys he would trade for uh ben simmons and we have one of those guys in the roster and it's trey young so it's just not happening i just i don't even want to like go down that rabbit hole like, it's, just, it's not a thing somebody actually commented I, I tweeted about trading for ben simmons i think yesterday or the day before or something like this mm. something like that just because he's been an enticing guy i, I think he I, I like the way i would love fits. ben simmons here i just don't 100%. think daryl morey's doing that yeah and he says oh yeah it'll take a multiple four first blah 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 and he's just like listing off and trey young mm-hmm. i said uh no <laughs> under no circumstances no trey young's not going anywhere he's probably one of the best young players in the nba so it, hell no um but no i i don't think i don't think necessarily that the i think you had alluded to it a little bit is they don't necessarily need a slam dunk i think they need to shake things up um can i give you all the one, trade? one thing in the in the Kirshner piece was marcus smart i think they need somebody mm. It's a disruptor, somebody who can play tough um, and go for those gritty hustle plays. I just don't see a guy on the roster like that. Like That was one thing that Solomon Hill really offered this team. Was he really a plus offensive player? No. Was he really making your team better Like as far as talent goes? No. But he was going to go in there and he was going to play tough. He was going to get his body in there, jump, go for rebounds, body on a body kind of player. He's diving for loose balls and he's getting in the face of, of the other of the opponents. And yeah, it's old man basketball, but at the same time, the Hawks need that. The Hawks don't have any of that right now. They I, were desperate for that when they were playing up in Philly, New York. I got and, the trade now for they you. Have none of it. I see no grit. I see no determination, especially on that defensive side of the basketball. And geez, man, it, at times it's ugly to watch. It's it's just it's it's pathetic because they're mostly just standing around and it, it just no effort. So I think a Marcus Smart makes a lot of sense, and I don't. I don't think he's going to be that expensive. I mean, of most of the impact moves that you could make, I mean, he's probably the only thing that you could could pay what equates to peanuts uh, to get and make your team better from day one. Uh, so he's somebody I'm looking at. What do you think Lloyd Pierce is thinking? <laughs> I'll screw Lloyd Pierce. I don't care about Lloyd. Oh, Pierce. oh, I, I, wow. I oh! Nothing, I have nothing nice to say about Lloyd Pierce. Oh I my still goodness! Don't. Hey. <laughs> He was trying to coach, man. That man wanted to coach defense. Like, that man wanted to coach. And I think this is like the the flip side of the player's coach, right? Where players are just cool with Nate and respect Nate. But, like, 
they're just going to do their own thing. The players coach situation. Like you see this, no one plays defense in Sacramento for Alvin Gentry. Um, there are certain kind of player coaches where it's just, it, it's too friendly and they just don't like the defenses suffer as a result. But um I have one trade for you. I still think Indiana is ultimately what happens here. I think we do some sort of deal for one of the Indiana trade pieces. I don't know who it's going to be of that group, but it's like my gut tells me it's going to be one of Karis LeVert, Miles Turner, Sabonis in Atlanta. I don't know which of the three it will be, but that is where my my gut is. I would love Brogdon to bring Brogdon. I don't know how any of those guys make sense, though. Like they LeVert makes sense. in what way? He's not going to be an impactful defensive player. Like, well, I guess the hope he's is not there. A, like, and Miles Turner definitely doesn't make sense because where unless you're giving up a Kongwu, and I'm not not down. No, you're giving that. up you're giving up Capella in that situation. You can't trade Capella right now. Oh, you can't true. trade him till the till the end of the year. Oh, and so right. it's like okay, and okay, bonus. You would almost definitely have to give up a Kongwu, and it's like mm. what's that? I mean, the offense would be sick. Don't get me wrong, but like, what does that fix? I don't know. It's like I, some of the names in the Cursor piece um, piqued my interest. Uh, Marcus Smart was one, although I don't love Marcus Smart as a player, but he would bring a lot of that stuff. That, yeah, I'm not that a big fan of Marcus Smart in general. Let's just throw that out there. <laughs> Smart's the guy yeah, we would love in Atlanta, sure. but we don't like on another team. I think we would immediately fall in love with Marcus Smart. I mean, he's got some of that kick ass that we mm-hmm. probably need. Um, Jeremy Grant, I, I like that call. Uh, <sighs> Derek White, I was into that one. Um, mm. I would be okay with Derek White if it was Derek White and like Lonnie Walker or something. I would need something else. Yeah, sure. Um, that's sort of some, some of those guys. That's more of the ballpark of like the let's mix it up, but not this is not our like push our chips into the table move. Um, and mm. so, you know, I, I think that's probably where Schlenk's eye is right now um, as he maybe holds back for a potential, you know, towns type of trade in the future uh but you know you know who i would call i would call the the ponzi scheme that is in the midwest oklahoma city i would call the ponzi scheme and i would say hey i know you're having fun with the josh giddy triple double stuff i know it's great having a blast not winning basketball games and not planning on winning basketball games for the next three to five years however what are you doing with sga here Uh, what are we doing what what is the point of sga on your roster at the moment um because SGA and Trey, oh my goodness, the passing alone would be unreal. I would give up Reddish, Hunter, and multiple firsts for... Who's going to guard anyone? Who is going to guard anyone? Like, yeah, that'd be great. SGA can guard. He's a plus defender. SGA <laughs> is... He's going to be out there guarding twos, guarding wings? Like, no way. He'll be guarding the no opposing best league guard. Yeah. And then, and then what do we have on the wing? You're trading... What do we have on the mean, wing so- now? In theory, you have reddish and bogey. Oh You're god, the biggest reddish guy out there. I, I'm 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 gone. It, it's not happening in Atlanta. He's going to be oh, a star. Oh, that's good. No, I'm I'm not. I'm out on no, reddish I, in I, Atlanta. I think he's going to figure it out somewhere else. It's funny you mentioned OKC because that's a team that should absolutely be all over Cam Reddish. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think that'd be awesome if, for them. I don't know. Would you really not want SGA next to Trey and see what happens? It's not that I wouldn't want it. It's just that like. I don't think it actually like solves anything given what like what we're trying to give up. We have to really think like not we. I mean, Schlenk really has to think about like what makes sense as a Trey Young led basketball team. Mm. Like who are the guys? And it has to be plus defense. It has to be. It has to be guys who give a shit, and it has to be guys who prioritize that into the floor. Um, 
Can and I give you the trade that it will never happen that actually works out perfectly money-wise and I would be here for? Buddy yeah, Heald and Harrison it. Barnes for Gallo and Bogey. Oh my god. Yeah, sign me up. Ten times out of ten. Getting Harrison Barnes in this locker room would be just what the doctor yeah. ordered. Yeah, Spe- speaking of that, actually, real quick. So, Travis Schlink is building the Atlanta Hawks and the Golden State Warriors mold, right? Harrison Barnes was part of that. Like, what I'm, I'm not saying necessarily you need to get Harrison Barnes specifically, but look, when you have a, a Steph Curry leading the team, you have to be able to hide him. And I think Max was talking about this a little bit. Yeah, they had uh, Clay Thompson. He was an elite defender. I, I, maybe not elite. He was a very good defender uh, who was also a, a great Clay was elite. player. Uh, yeah, I, I won't say. Maybe you can say very, elite. Very, Clay was an elite on-ball defender, I would say. He was a top perimeter defender. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, semantics, I guess. But <laughs> yes. no, he <laughs> don't hesitate. What we're saying, Garrett, believe in Clay. It's okay to give Clay his props. No, but then you go beyond that. The other guy, Draymond Green, and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and it, and then you have uh, and then Harrison Barnes at the three. And I, I mean, look, you have a lot of guys who can play good defense, and I think the the Hawks have a lot of guys who can play good defense. They just don't have their Draymond Green. They don't have the guy who can or their or their uh or the well they have their Clay Thompson when he's if he's healthy and DeAndre Hunter. And occasionally Cam Reddish, if um, when he if and when he does play, um, but they need to continue to build up defenders and let Trey just do Trey things on offense because Trey's going to make every single player in the NBA better on the offensive side of the basketball. I mean, like the guy can do anything with the basketball and and he elevates everybody. So I'm not as worried about what they can do and what they can like if they can shoot whatever because I think Clay is going to uh, excuse me uh, uh, Trey is going to elevate everybody. Um, but we need some tough sons of bitches on defense, man. We just don't have them right now. And I think one of my biggest takeaways from the Schlenk interview is like he's clearly done with the whole like, uh, you know, draft and harvest talent, like build up their potential, get them time to develop. And like he's done with the Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, you know, what they could be theoretically experiment. Like he, he's ready to like have some professional ass basketball players in the in the building and like. So am I. Like, Harrison Barnes is a professional-ass basketball player. Uh, well, I think part of that was I, just they won. Like, once you get to the Eastern Conference Finals, it's over. You can't go back. Like, that, the fan yeah, base won't allow you to go back. And this team, but this team also thought it was that coming into the year. Yeah. Like, these players thought they were all that. And the reality is, like, it's not going to work if everyone thinks, like, I need to get mine. And that's clearly what's, like, part of what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like the Trey Young comments earlier in the season. You talked about Travis Schlink. It was kind of shocking to hear those comments. You guys remember when Trey Young came out and said, oh, yeah, it's hard to get motivated for a regular season yeah. basketball game. Like, bro, mm-hmm. you are not LeBron James. You're not somebody who just walks out onto the court and is automatically better than everybody else. This is not a team that's that can just kind of go through the motions and, and then automatically be a top five seed in the playoffs and, and push to the, the Eastern Conference or even the, the, the NBA Finals. That's not what we are. We could be. We damn well could be. But right now, this is an effort basketball team. The reason we were, uh, or the Hawks were, a a team that played in the Eastern Conference Finals was because the the schedules lined up pretty effectively. We could have played the damn Nets in the second, uh, third round, but or second or third round. But no, we ended up playing the Sixers, a, a winnable series based off of the way the teams lined up, and they won the they won the series. Credit to the Hawks. But the thing is. The, this is not a team that just walks out onto the floor and is just better than everybody else. They won because they 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 worked for it and they earned it. And and they, until they can consistently do that on a, on a year to year basis, like you you have to be the team that brings in the extra effort. 
you always have to be that team. And the frustrating thing is they kind of are that they, they kind of are that team that walks out on the court and can score 120 every single night. Yeah, the Not offense really isn't a problem. Where are they in offensive rating right now? But it's but it's I think they're, they're second. Second. Okay. They're second rating. And so it's like, yeah, you are that team. Like there is skill for days on this team. Like there is scoring all over the court. Like that is awesome. But none of that shit matters if you don't care on the defensive end at all. If you if you don't put in any effort. And so it's like it's all right there. Like like if you want it, you can have it. But it's just like it is frustrating. And and I did notice when when uh when they were interviewing Schlenk and they're like, all right, who's the leader here? And they clearly wanted him to say Trey. And he he was not he he did not offer any sort of indication that Trey was the guy in there like being like, screw this guys, we we gotta defend better. Because that's not who he is. And like we need someone who will be that. And if that's Marcus Smart, if that's Harrison Barnes, like bring him in. Mm. Well, let's end here. What do you give me the prediction? Who's the two for one that they're talking about? Ultimately, who is the two for one player that Schlenk ultimately brings into Atlanta to shake things up a little bit? Gary, you go first. (sighs) Most realistic, not what you want, what you think will do. Um, a two for one. That's the thing. It, It could be a lot of different people here. Um, Maybe a Miles Turner. He's going Miles Turner, Max. Maybe, maybe, maybe I, that's. But that's the thing. It's like, but then, what do you do with Clint Capella? What do you do to get him? May I, I see? I, I just don't see. I, I see them going more of filling in the gaps than trying to make a splash. I would like to see Ben Sims. I think that'd be a very interesting move. A very, very interesting, um, and that would certainly uh, get some attention um, onto State Farm Arena, but. I don't necessarily see how it works or how it happens. Um, I, I see this more. I think they alluded to this in the article a little bit, but where the Braves, when the Braves were at the deadline, they filled in a couple holes and it ended up exploding and turning into something absolutely stunning. I don't necessarily think that's going to happen for the Hawks. It may, you never know, but it's not like the Hawks are very far off from being that team that is, that is the championship contender that they were last year. I think that they go in and fill in a couple of the holes and we see what happens. I, I think this team is still destined for the playoffs and, and it's still a very good basketball team. Um, I just think this is a highly consequential deadline. Mm. Max, who do you wrong. think? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's Reddish and Gallo. <clears throat> I think Reddish and Gallo are the two. Um, and who do they flip and I for think, them? I think it has to be the, if that's the package, it has to be the sort of a non-contender. And so, uh, I'd go Barnes, um, hmm. but I could see, I could see sort of one of the like less sexy names. Uh, they mentioned Robert Covington in the Ugh. in the article. Like, I you know, would that be uh, a crowd pleaser? Probably not. Um, would he help them defensively? Probably. And so I think it'll be something like that. I, I think the value on Reddish is is much lower than Hawks fans think it is. So I think it could be Gallo Reddish and a first for someone like that. I think the deal could could go over poorly among fans and ultimately help the team in the long run here's who i'll go y'all i I don't think you're gonna be able to see this coming i don't think y'all are gonna see this coming in the in the conference i'm gonna say the two for one and i agree with you that'll be gallo and reddish some team's gonna like reddish and gonna like what they can do if they put him in their incubator they believe in their process they believe in their ability to develop wings they can't quit developing wings it's their favorite it's their favorite developing their next Kawhi leonard Oh, yeah. 
Toronto, Pascal Siakam. I think it's going to be Pascal. What? I, I'm going to guess it's Pascal Siakam Ooh. as the two-for-one slot. I think Talk they're about a guy need a fresh start. Him and Nick Nurse, don't see eye to eye. You throw Pascal, good defender, long. I don't hate Schlink it. Schlink likes the long guys. I don't know. I mean, I don't hate it. I think sure. it's going to be. And then you put Reddish in there with OG and Scotty Barnes and their length, and he gets to experiment and figure stuff out in Toronto. Not a better coaching staff to develop a wing and try and figure stuff out defensively and just to be how to how to be a competent winning basketball player than Nick Nurse. What's his contract looking like? Who? Siakam. Three years, $33 million a year. So you do Gallo. $33 million a year. Good mm-hmm. Lord. That's a lot of money. How do they match that? You said with... Mm, it'd be it's Gallo. Be like, yeah. They have a lot of like short-term middle DeLon contracts Wright. they could throw in. It'd be like DeLon Wright. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then what do you do with backup point guard? I mean, this is the reason you draft Shreve Cooper, right? It's not Shreve Cooper's not right. Skyler Skyler Mays hasn't been bad, by the way. See, that's my only that's my only thing. Delon, if Delon Wright's going, it's for you cannot trade Delon Wright. If well, you could get Malachi Flynn in the return because he is not. He's just been in the doghouse all year too. You can get Malachi Flynn for two mil. I also think you could you could you could probably flip someone for a backup point guard. Yeah, like I don't don't think you don't make a deal because of Delon Wright. As much as I like what he does for us, right there. Yeah, Pascal Siakam's been picked up. Sorry, Wild card. Delon Wright. Delon Wright. <laughs> Sorry, we, we got to hold on to our half a year of Delon Wright here. <laughs> That's exactly how I came off, and I definitely did not mean. <laughs> he's like the Danny Ainge of podcast, where he's like, I can't defend. do it. I just can't. Anyone will defend. Garrett Chapman was so close to making a big time trade, but he just he got to the last little bit, and he was like, <laughs> I can't, I can't move on from Romeo Langford. Just too much, too much to give up there. He's got upside. No, he played actually, uh, Pascal Siakam. I don't hate it. I actually don't hate that. That's a swing, man. Pascal Siakam's a swing. That's like, hey, we're serious. We're done with this. We're not wasting any more time. This dude's an all star. Like, we're we're doing this now. We're we're throwing. We're gonna see what happens. And then Jalen Brown in the off season. So what's your what's your team? I love Jalen Brown in this offense. God, if you could, oh. Jalen Brown's Ooh. the answer here. Like for Jaylen sure. Brown. Like if we could get Jalen Brown, Brown is available. Oh. Everything. Everything. Every- Everything changes, and the Hawks are immediate top team, top three team in the East. Well, it just gives you somebody to throw at Brooklyn like that. Jalen Brown's the the missing piece in a Brooklyn seven game series. Like that is the the guy you have to throw at Brooklyn that causes problems for Katie and Harden. Like that's you don't have that right now. What do you so in the deal going back to Siakam? What do you what's your what's your top five? What's your five look like? Like you have Trey obviously starting, and then Mm. you would throw. Ooh, I mean, it'd still be Bogey, Hunter, um, Collins, and then Pascal. Playing at five? Yeah, one Wait, of the what? two. Collins closing at the five. I mean, Col- Collins has to start closing at the five, yeah. How is anyone going to defend anything? No, That's you can't small. do that. You have to. That's so small. You can't. You simply cannot. Well, I mean, then you're I going Pascal happen. at the three. Uh, I put John Collins at this. Oh, I can't do that either. God. But Collins has shot well enough. Like Collins has actually shot pretty well this year. Yeah, if you if you go big, go big like the Cavs. It's worked for them. They played Laurie at the three most of this year. Yeah, well, they're not. Uh, the answer here is that, is that if you had, if you gave me odds on Clint Capella being on the Hawks a year from now, like Slim, I uh, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be happening. 
Well, either way, I'm excited to see how it all unfolds. It's going to be it's going to be an interesting deadline nonetheless and tonight is going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited about seeing Lakers Hawks on primetime on disappointing teams in the NBA this year. <laughs> For very different reasons, but Trey and LeBron playing each other is going to be fun. Um, Garrett, we can find you on Twitter.com at GChapATL. Max, we can find you at Max underscore Markovich. Uh, we'll be back next week, guys. Sweet. Thanks. All right, howdy. Welcome back to Go big orange friday yeah here we are where ryan shumpert of rocky top insider is here ryan good evening sir how are you doing well doing well in uh nashville today bearing a, a little snow so uh it's been uh i feel like about like five years since i've seen actual snow more than just uh you know a very light dusting which kind of seemed like what happened in knoxville yesterday but enjoying that and uh trying to trying to kind of figure out how to attack a week of basketball that we've already seen half of it and was very ugly. And I don't expect the second half to be much prettier down in Baton Rouge Saturday. Well, we'll get to the the game in Baton Rouge and what happened uh, against Ole Miss on Wednesday. But um, yeah, no, it's uh, we got the light snow below freezing here in Knoxville. You're not missing a whole lot uh, while you're away in Nashville, uh, where I'm sure I'm sure the streets and the the folks in Franklin and Brentwood and everywhere in Nashville, they just can't stop talking about Derrick Henry being back. They can't stop talking about those Tennessee Titans, right? That's exactly right. I mm-hmm. mean, it's it's kind of victory lap week, which is never good for the Titans, especially when they have a bad team coming up because that means disaster is ready to strike. But hopefully we got the disaster out of the way already with the loss of the Texans back in Nashville. But very exciting week. It was kind of a lot of biting your tongue as a Titans fan the last few weeks as ever, or last few months, I guess I should say, as everyone kind of acted like the season was dead. Uh, but it kind of always seemed probable that Henry was going to make it back for the playoffs and, and the Titans were in a good position that they were going to be able to survive in the division. They weren't perfect, but that's what they did and uh, excited for a playoff run. Yeah, we're going to see. I mean, it, I was telling uh, Charlie Burris uh, from ADZ Sports yesterday that like people overlook the Titans as the number one overall seed, which is very much... Uh, a possibility after this weekend but like that's a it's a real thing that people need to understand is going to happen and also number one seeds generally speaking make the super bowl like that has been the last few years like the the nfl prides itself on this uh illusion of parody when in reality it's more uh, it's more like the college football uh situation than a lot of people pick up on where it's like no the the wildcard teams very rarely run the gauntlet that's uh not a common thing what the bucks did and uh what teams like them before it's it's very rare most of the time it's at number one versus that number one so the titans getting that by uh with the, the expanded playoffs i think that's uh it's a big deal so i i'm excited to see what happens because with the falcons eliminated from playoff contention uh and after sunday i don't have to watch them ruin my sundays anymore for uh nine months which should be nice um yeah, I guess I have to temporarily adopt uh, the sports renaissance woman being from here, and her dad's a big Titans fan, and that means I gotta I gotta saddle up with the the Titans for a little bit. Yeah, I mean you you were above above board going to the Preds at the start of the season, so I mm. think it's uh, you know it's a fair just kind of transition over to oh the national sports teams can be uh, the favorite slash kind of other team you root for. Yeah, uh, no harm, no foul. Um, well. 
Ryan. We can find you on Twitter at rshump00. No Ethan Stone tonight. He is, uh, I mean, do we do we know where he is? Was he lost to the to the snowstorm? Are we sure he's not uh, caught up in a blizzard somewhere? Do we do we know what uh, what happened to to Ethan? My understanding is work, but I'm not, mm. you know, here to rule, rule out the, uh, the snowstorm situation right. either. All right, we can't rule it out. We can't rule it out. Um, but Absolutely he's, not. <laughs> he's fine out there. It's fine. Um, well, we do this every week. Tennessee volunteers on this very podcast. Um, if you like listening to Ryan and typically Ethan and myself talk uh, Tennessee sports all across the board, make sure you check in every week around this time. But uh yeah, five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify goes a long way. Go check out chasedonepodcast.com today if you have not already done so. Every episode on that page. Um, Ryan, let's start with Tennessee basketball. Um, the, the the family group chat was was losing it. I watched it uh, the next morning because I was recording uh, late that night, so I could not watch live. So taped it and then was too tired to, to watch it that night and then uh, went through the, the group thread and everything and watched the game. But yeah, it was ugly, but sometimes you got to win ugly. And this ten- I had two takeaways. Like the offense is still what it is. And Will Warren, a uh, friend of the pod, was on last night. Does great work covering the balls and NCAA as a whole. He pointed out that, like, the defense is bailing him out every week, but, like, six of the last seven years since Barnes has been here, still the offense. The offense is still still a problem, even though it's changed a lot from what it was a year ago. It's just, it's not where it needs to be for Tennessee to really compete for a national title, but the defense is good enough to win a national title and run the gauntlet in March Madness. So it's a very frustrating, difficult time uh, for the big orange faithful, but I think I'm more optimistic that they can iron a lot of this out. What do you think? And what did you make of the old Miss game? Yeah. I mean, you're, you hit the nail on the head that really besides the, the Grant Williams last year, uh, I guess 2018, 19 season, Tennessee has been very good on defense and very pedestrian on offense. Obviously that offense, I think ranked top 10 in Ken Pond that year. And Jordan Bones emergence, I think was a big reason for that. But uh, when you look at it this year, it's, it's, almost remarkable in my opinion how how well the defense has played and if you told me Tennessee's offense would have been what it's been now through I guess 14 games into the season I would have thought Tennessee's bubble team but somehow Tennessee's defense has gotten even better after losing James Springer Keon Johnson at East Ponds and I still don't really know exactly how you explain it but you're right it's it feels like that much like last year the ceiling is just significantly limited due to uh, the offensive flaws and you see it I guess about four games now where Tennessee's offense just has not showed up in any way. And there's just no consistency there. And you kind of, when Kennedy Chandler isn't playing well, can't score at the basket. When John Fulkerson isn't playing well, can't score at the basket. Tennessee just becomes a very three-point dependent team. And early in the season, I think, it, you know, it was kind of this group is just really inconsistent shooting threes. I think we've seen enough now to say that they're not great shooting threes. And, and I'm not sure I would say they're a bad three-point shooting team, but much more mediocre to the below average side than I anticipated coming into the year. And I think there are reasons for more optimism. The offense can turn it around than there was last year. I think just what you have at the guard spot with Vescovy, Ziegler, and Chandler is a big reason for that, especially when you consider two of those guys in Ziegler and Chandler are both freshmen and I think have much much more polished offensive games right now than, than either Springer or Johnson did at this, this point in their career last year. So I think there is more reason for optimism. But there's still a lot of inconsistency. Tennessee really can't find that one person night in and night out on the inside that gives them an offensive presence. 
it looks like it might be John Fulkerson. Obviously, he struggled the other night. I still think he's probably going to be the one that's the most consistent in that group. But but a lot of inconsistencies in Tennessee's three-point shooting, it certainly has not been been good enough to bail them out with their inability to get to the free throw line and their inability to score at the basket. Yeah. Well, what do you think is going to be different? Like when you look at the LSU uh, style of play and what they're going to throw at Tennessee versus what Ole Miss did on Wednesday, what do you think is going to be the biggest difference between the two of them? That's a good question. I mean, you're not going to see as much zone from LSU as you saw from Ole Miss. And I think in a lot of ways that zone really rattled Tennessee at times. I mean, you saw it there late in the game. They kind of started mixing up, man, in 2-3 in their one possession and then the regulation. I think maybe right around the minute left, a little under a minute left tie game. Ole Miss went to it. Tennessee didn't didn't pass the ball inside the arc or get the ball inside the arc at any during possession, and Ziegler just had to fire up the deep three. So I think they struggled kind of adapting to that and attacking spots in Ole Miss's zone, but it's hard to say anything's going to be easier uh, on Saturday. I mean, this LSU defense, first in nation, Kim Palm, Tennessee's second. When you kind of look into the advanced numbers, I mean, LSU has, has been – pretty decently better. I mean, they're top 10 in the country in almost every single defensive metric. They're first in steals, and I think that's kind of the big thing that I look for in this game is who can take care of the ball better. I think it's going to be ugly, not a lot of points. Who can avoid the other team getting easy transition baskets? Who can get more shots up and just let the odds work in their favor? And I do think that kind of plays into Tennessee's advantage. And while Tennessee certainly hasn't been great offensively, Ziegler, Chandler, they've done a good job taking care of the ball and has I think maybe been the, the biggest strength of Tennessee's team right now. They force a lot of turnovers and they don't turn the ball over a lot. Obviously, that wasn't the case against Ole Miss on Wednesday, but overall, that's held true. Uh, I'm not sure LSU's ball handlers are quite as quite as good at uh, taking care of it, and I think that could play in Tennessee's advantage on Saturday. For sure, for sure. So, what like what does it mean though if they're able to survive and it's another ugly win against LSU? Because I seem to recall it was around this time last year when they they went to LSU and lost a really annoying game uh, on the road. It, I seem did they get blown out? Is that what it was? I, I seem to recall um, it it being another ugly, terrible loss. Yeah, I don't know a true blowout, but one of those games where LSU led by right around ten. Most yeah, games, okay. I don't think Tennessee really ever ever threatened into it. I think that was an early February game. That's right. I just remember it being really cold and watching it outdoors at a place here in Knoxville. I remember being very annoyed about that game and being up there. So, And it's going to be cold again. So we are only allowed to play LSU basketball when it's uh, very frigid in Knoxville, Tennessee, it seems like. Um, I want to talk about the football team for a little bit because uh, the one thing this week that I was not expecting to pick your brain on, uh, Ryan, was that Tyler Barron entered the portal and that caught a lot of people based on uh early reactions and you talk to certain people and you look around the league like were you just as shocked and were people around you just as shocked that he put his name in the portal well uh, i think i may have some breaking news for you chase uh baron is back out of the portal <laughs> to return to Knoxville next season oh all right so are we big are we breaking news on this podcast we are not breaking news on this podcast. That, that came out probably two hours ago. Oh, okay. Um, but to, to answer your question, no, I really wasn't surprised because you heard some rumblings about it. His dad was on kind of a support staff role uh, under Pruitt, I think, was continued on at the start of the Hypo era, and they, they split ways earlier. So you kind of heard rumblings about that, that he, he may be looking to lead to. Uh, and obviously <laughs> there's been a lot of uh, conflicted emotions for Barron uh, over the last few days as he – Decides to go and then pulls his name out of the portal today, saying he's going to come back to Tennessee. 
Well, that would have been just a devastating loss, right? Like the, it's amazing because Bryce Young, uh, like our Byron Young, excuse me, was great late. He's just an all-time great college football story, but they need depth on the outside and they need pass rushers and they need Baron and uh, they need Baron and Young on on those two different opposite sides next year, right? I completely agree. I mean, I I was I was with you. I thought that was a massive loss when I saw it yesterday, and that was one thing that. There weren't many things to like about Tennessee's defense in the Music City Bowl, but that was one thing I did like. They played those two guys on the field at the same time uh, more than they really have all season long. And I didn't know why they weren't doing that more during the season, especially in pass rushing downs. Because Barron's not a great pass rusher. He's not as good as Young. But he is, in my opinion, by far Tennessee's second-best pass rusher and had some really nice games earlier in the season. The pit game stands out, especially before Young was able to get eligible and play. So I think that's a huge guy to get coming back. I think – he has kind of that size to hold up in the more strong side defensive end uh, spot in Tennessee's defense on those early downs. Tennessee can put a little bit more weight on him. And, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just a massive, massive get for Tennessee because you're just looking at defense. There's a lot of places Tennessee needs to go in the transfer portal and upgrade at. And I would still argue that pass rush is one of them. Tennessee's going hard after Jared Verse right now out of Albany. But that that's one more spot that you don't need quite as heavily as maybe you need linebacker, you need safety. And that's a that's a reliable body you have coming back for next season. Well, we got some more good news on that front. Uh, so, uh, Flowers is back as well, correct? Flowers is back. Yeah, I mean it's it feels like it's a never ending super seniors coming back and never ending guys out of eligibility declaring for the, the NFL draft. Yeah. Well, I think it's just one of those. We just got to get through these couple of years and the, the COVID X. But did you see the Ohio State? Yeah long snapper who got his seventh year of eligibility granted so he's gonna be back again no i didn't see that yeah what, what was what was the extra year i mean how, how i don't understand how you get seven i, I don't know either seven. but he got seven so he is coming back i like it i like it <laughs> how many degrees can he, this man get at uh, ohio state university i'm not sure but uh, Wait, he's gonna find out my math may be wrong on this but what if it was six years what 2016 would have been his first year so you know he was just coming in he probably committed right as ohio state won that national championship uh, with urban meyer so he's probably just hanging around hanging around try, trying to get as many chances chances as he can at it i can't hate on him i can't hate on him um well what do you make of the of, of the secondary uh because there was a lot made and there was a really good piece on desmond williams and what he could bring to this team what are you what are you most interested in with desmond I think it's like any Juco guy. It's how ready they are to go right away. I mean, I think the potential is certainly there. When you look at his speed, when you look at what he did this year down in the Mississippi Junior College Conference, but with any junior college guy, there's just a big uncertainty at how ready they're going to be right away. I mean, you saw that this year with Kamal Haddon, who had gone to Auburn, transferred before playing, had never played a full season at a big-level school. He was a guy that was able to help Tennessee later in the year. But in the early part of the year, in fall camp, he was almost a, a non-factor. So I think it's just simply about how quickly he can come in and help because this is a Tennessee defensive back room, especially at corner, that's going to need immediate help next season. Are you concerned about the running back room going into next year? I think that's a spot Tennessee – I mean, I, I could say it's about a lot of positions. I think that's a spot Tennessee will probably look at in transfer portal. I think you need a bigger body, and I think that's a question of – does Justin Williams come in and be a guy that can be that? He has that bigger body. He has that short yard, yardage back uh, strength. 
I don't know if he's going to be able to be a big factor as a freshman. So I think a lot of it depends. He's already been on campus, already went through bowl practices. Probably depends on what the coaches think about where he'll be at in August. But I do think Tennessee needs a bigger body, and I think you saw that multiple times this year. Obviously, the Pittsburgh game, Tyon Evans and Jabari Small both go down. Jalen Wright's running in a lot of short yardage situations down at the goal line. You saw that again uh, in the bowl game where Jalen Wright was kind of thrust in that position when Jabari Small went out. So I do think Tennessee's kind of lacking lacking that, that more power back in their offense. But at the same time, I think Jabari Small and Jalen Wright are really solid, uh, you know, one and two to build off of, especially considering Wright was just a freshman this year. I thought it got a lot better as the year went on. But uh, certainly, I think, a spot to watch. It's just going to be interesting to see kind of how Tennessee can round, up, round out that room and make it more complete. I haven't recovered from Tion Evans dipping. I haven't recovered, Ryan. That was my dude. That yeah. was the sports rena- renaissance woman's dude. I haven't recovered. He, I mean, he's, he is as good as I think Jabari Small is, a really strong player. Tyon's just, he's just a different level of player. He really is. And I think he was greatly missed in the offense the second half of the season. And I certainly will be next year. I think the only, only solace you can take out of it is he's at Louisville. And you're not going to have to see him. You're not going to have to see him in the SEC. Uh, you'll get to see him play against Kentucky, maybe have some success in that game. But at least not at a school that, that you have to root against. Right. Um, but yeah, you saw Jabari Small. He was super banged up and he has the breakaway speed and he's like just someone who you don't like you want to use in a rotation. Like he's just someone that uh needs to be with somebody else like a Tion Evans and that combination was just so good and I don't know, that's gonna be a what if that's gonna bother me for, for a while. I'm not gonna lie. What do you think the quarterback room's gonna look like next year? Do you think they're done? Do you think it's Taven, Joe and uh Hinden Hooker, or do you think they add somebody else in the portal? I think if Milton stays, I think they're, they're going to roll with that just because I don't think you're going to go out and get – with Hooker coming back, I don't think you're going to go out and get anybody that is significantly better than Joe Milton. And I think having that comfortability with Milton being in the system for a year, I think that's what Tennessee will roll with. Interesting. Do you think Milton stays? I think he does. At this point, it feels like he, you know if he's going to, he probably would have already left. And he would obviously have to – if I understand the rules right – which that's the whole confusion with the transfer and then the transferring again once you graduate. But uh, I think he's not going to be, you know, wouldn't be immediately eligible. So I think you'll probably see him back. But that's a, a really interesting situation. And man, with, with how I mean, we've seen the transfer portal, how many guys go in it. And I mean, obviously, a good example of Tennessee with Harrison Bailey seems to be gotten pretty eaten up with just the number of names that are in there. And I think, I don't know if Milton's seeing it like that, but it's certainly, when you look at it, much harder to, to find a home right now with quarterback is maybe a lot of these guys expected yeah i mean bailey's still sitting out there right yep mm-hmm. i mean i just can we go pull like that's our uh homework assignment we need to or you know what we need to do when we do our littons run before uh next semester starts ryan what we need to do is we need to do a, a straw poll around uh around the restaurant and we can ask them like hey what do you make of bailey still still being in the portal are you sure are you sure he's the guy are you sure that he didn't get a fair you shake sure he's and, the guy still yeah like yeah. Uh, the guy that's still sitting out there are, are, are we sure are we sure and that's no slight against harrison bailey like I, nothing against the kid or anything like that it was a tough situation the offense changed he committed to a different uh coach all that kind of stuff but 
um i don't know man it, that that's got to be rough but that was like why i didn't like freak out about the transfer portal stuff it's like i think this was gonna mellow out eventually and this was gonna even out like i think they need to fix a lot of these rules um like with dylan gabriel spurning ucla at the last moment to go to oklahoma because caleb williams dipped at the last like that kind of stuff can't continue you got to fix that because then ucla screwed and i don't know what they're gonna do um all that being said, I uh, I am fascinated to see what ends up happening. Is there a chance he comes back? Like, if he doesn't get, like, if there's nowhere else to go, I wonder if he runs it back. It's really, it's honestly really funny you said that because I had that exact same thought for the first time yesterday. Um, that I, I wonder if it's a possibility he come back. You would have to think that's not likely. I, I mean, I really wouldn't. But at this point, I mean, it's been what. Three months since he entered the transfer portal. Obviously, there's been a ton of movement at that spot. I'm sure there will continue to be, but it's it's hard not to think uh, at least maybe a possibility. Mm. I am curious to see what ends up happening there. Um, well, there like uh, there you go. We got baseball coming up. What a month away, Ryan? Yeah, a little over a month. I think 41 days now. So getting close. Yeah, it's uh, baseball is a crazy one that it sneaks up on you because you get back from. You get back after Christmas in January, and it's like the team's practicing. It's go time. So, uh, you know, I, for one, uh, put it out there. I support the rules to uh, to start the college baseball season a month later and let it run a month later. I, I would think a lot of uh, a lot of kids practicing uh, in the cold conditions would agree with me. But, uh, yeah, it's coming up, and it's going to certainly be an interesting season. Number 21 on the perfect game preseason. Kind of low. Not a lot of respect for Tony Vitella. No, uh, I mean, I'm not shocked by it with all the guys Tennessee lost, but uh, I certainly think Tennessee, you know, when you look at these rankings, they're obviously always littered with mm-hmm. so many SEC schools. Uh, I don't think Tennessee is kind of getting that benefit of the doubt that a lot of SEC teams do when they lose guys. And I think you kind of look at the polls, and I think it's kind of easy to see that. I think Tennessee's a seventh-ranked SEC team, and top six are all in the top top ten or top 11. And a lot of those schools also also lost a lot of guys and didn't quite have quite the success Tennessee did last year. It's going to be a bloodbath um all over again but it's gonna be fun man i'm excited for baseball season to be back last year was just uh, unreal last year was just an unreal season it's gonna be almost impossible to top that ride but last year's tennessee college baseball season was one for the ages still my favorite uh sports season in a while and just riding with that wave as long as we did was an absolute blast and whenever you're feeling down ball nation make sure you go and just watch the drew gilbert walk off the the ping and the reaction is is all you need to get through a, to get through a day and get fired up um ryan chumper what can we check out from you at rocky top insider this week yes done tons of stuff on the site both kind of uh, with the football movement the past few days and also on the basketball team had a, had a preview today looking at uh, the lsu game on saturday night and specifically these two defenses and, and what makes both of them so so effective there you go there you go well don't forget you can find ryan on twitter at r shump double zero go check out rocky top insider today uh, if you have not already done so go support the good folks at the utk daily beacon ethan stone over there all the good folks but uh he'll be back next week hopefully unless is uh unless we just never hear from him again unless we just uh he was unless lost he to is, the snowstorm he's literally stuck in a snowstorm yeah <laughs> let's hope, hope not, not yeah let's let's hope not uh ryan shumpert always a pleasure thank you so much for making the time and i'll talk to you next week of course just talk to you then all right that'll do it for today's episode of the chase thomas podcast 
Thank you again to the sports reporters, Robert Silverman and Andrew Hammond for stopping by, as well as the Atlanta sports guys, Max Markovich and Garrett Chapman. Also, go big orange Friday. Shout out to Ryan Shumpert for coming on per usual. Uh, missed you this week, Ethan Stone, but uh, make sure to go follow all of them on Twitter and all their social media handles and everywhere they write, so whether it's the Daily Beast, the Detroit Free Press, uh, 99 The Game, back in Atlanta, Rocket Top Insider, wherever it is, go support the good crew there. Um, make sure you follow me on twitter.com at chase underscore Thomas. Again, that's chase underscore Thomas. Like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase Thomas writer. Uh, go check out chase Thomas podcast.com today for access to all of my previous episodes, every single episode on the site. So go check that out today. Um, subscribe to the sports Renaissance man on Substack, sports Renaissance man Email the show with any future questions, mailbag opportunities, stuff like that. Chase Thomas podcast at gmail.com. And, of course, if you like listening to this very feed, uh, very podcast, rather, make sure you go tell a friend, family member, co-worker, whoever that you like listening to the Chase Thomas Podcast, and maybe they would, too. Uh, leave a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. It helps. And uh, we'll be back next week as we close up this weekend uh, here on the Chase Thomas Podcast. So thank you for listening, as always. And I will talk to you guys very soon. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.